welcome to the Sports Carnage Podcast, presented by Detroit Sports Nation, featuring Paul Roshan, D. Dylan Bear, Ryan Griffin, and Matthew Basson, bringing the most arrogant takes on the planet straight to your ears. We don't promise to always be right, but we promise to act like we are. What's up, y'all? Along with Paul Roshan, Dylan Bear, Ryan Griffin, I am Matt Bassin. Got a lot of football to get to. The Wolverines sucked for the third quarter. The Spartans sucked for all four quarters. And we will get to them both. But we have to go to the worst stadium in all of football. Up to the frozen Amen freaking to tundra. Up in Wisconsin. Last week. Okay, well, that's the worst field in all of football. I'm saying the worst stadium in all of football. Oh, okay. Owned all by right, the right. freaking town of Green Bay, Wisconsin. Where the Detroit Lions, who have done pretty damn well against the Packers over the last couple years, were looking great in Green Bay yesterday. Until about the final seven minutes of the game. When shenanigans left and right happen. A man who has never in his career been called for hands to the face is called for it twice. A pass interference that is not called that would have helped extend a drive ruins that chance. And the Lions get the Lions treatment from the NFL that we as Lion fans all know so well, and some of us are extremely pissed off about it. <laughs> Apparently, you are. Some of us are reserved to the fact that, well, this has happened plenty of times before, and Man. will happen plenty of times again because it's the Lions. And if we Man don't again. have, if we don't have shit luck, we have no luck at all. And I know that there's supposed to be some deep dive I'm supposed to go into on this that Paul wants me to do, but. I just don't have it in me. I'm just defeated by this. I'm accepting the fact that this is the Lions and this is what we get time and time and time again, whether it's the Dallas Cowboys in the playoffs, whether it's a different time against Green Bay with a face mask, whether it's the ball being batted out of the back of the end zone by the Seahawks, whether it's Calvin Johnson with his giant-ass hands holding a football in one hand while scoring a touchdown and then putting it down. It doesn't matter. It's the Lions. Our shit luck is the only luck we have. And what you saw yesterday on national television is what Lions fans have seen on Sundays that no one else watched because there were other games to watch at the same time. Your determinist attitude bums me out. And also, that's dishonest in every way. Because it is because you're doing the historian thing, which is your deal. But to say, oh, well, it's just what we do. I mean, this had nothing to do with you. Because the narrative that comes out of the other side that Paul's going to dissect later, but, oh, just win the game. Well, like, you did everything in your power to win the game. And if there were two calls that weren't made, you won the game. No, just like Kansas City a couple weeks ago. But no, well, this, this is different one, in so every way. Where Matt, where Matt is right, though, and it does have something to do with the Lions. Every time. These things so do sad. not happen at this level so repeatedly the way they happen to the Lions. And the reason they don't is because nobody cares about the Lions. Like the Lions, like the world that the Saints subside in and the Packers and the, and the Cowboys, the world that they exist in to the NFL, that door is shut to our franchise. 
the the league does not look at the Lions the way they look at those teams, which I mean, sure you can say, Oh, we haven't won, we haven't done whatever, that's that's fine. We just want a fair shake. We're just over here like, no, can we just get a game that's even remotely down the middle or even just skewed a little bit? But it always happens at the worst times. But the thing is, people just don't care. Or I even people, because as we've seen, the fallout to this game, people do care about the league just being an abomination with the way they call a game. But the league doesn't care when it happens to us. If this happened in reverse to the Packers, there would have been a rule change today. <laughs> in, for, in effect, for this week's games coming up. But we know that that didn't, and that's where Matt is really coming from. I, Ryan the, hasn't said a word yet. Yeah. If Trey Flowers started. was still a Patriot, he wouldn't have been called for hands to the face. By the way, that is there is an <laughs> important thing. There is something important that you said in that. Um, what's your name, Paul? That's your word. That's your name. Wow! 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 <laughs> wow! 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 Um, wow. Okay, that was a bit of a reach for that one, but um, whoopsies. <laughs> <What's that>? <laughs> <laughs> no one is gonna is understand tight. no one is gonna understand any of that last 30 seconds but i do think that part of the reason people are so impassioned about this because i can definitely speak on this is because it's the packers if it weren't it'd be a t- i don't know if the reaction would be as widespread because i think that the green bay packers are very much like the university of michigan where everyone at least in a little part of themselves outside of the state of wisconsin absolutely hates them and i know for a fact as a chicago bear who is very in tune with the fan base of the chicago bears we were incensed for you because it's literally the worst team in the entirety of existence in professional sports. Of course they're getting these calls with the biggest douchebag in the entire sport getting the calls and getting all this praise that is just false. Oh my god, Aaron Rodgers, he made everything happen. I mean, not at all, because he faced two third downs and didn't convert them. Fact. The only reason the drives moved was not because of him. Simple as that. Well, I mean, they so, did not have Devontae Adams. They did lose Geronimo Allison. They dude, also dealt with injuries I mean, with uh, whatever the Valdez stop the run, and, Which was the most important thing that we did that game. I didn't care about the receivers. I told you guys. I talked about it on cast last week. It was about stopping the run, which we didn't do. Their offensive line mauled ours and coincidentally didn't get any hands to the face calls. Um, hmm. One thing that... What you said is both so true and leads into what I talked about both before the game and the fallout that we've seen since the game. And you were in lockstep with me. Ryan didn't agree. But everybody has been waiting to buy into the Lions, like nationally, like on a national level. People are waiting. Like they're just kind of waiting, casually watching. Like after the KC game, expecting the the bottom to fall out. The national narrative of the Lions went up in a loss, a home loss. And yet people were like, you know what? I like the way they played that game. They might have something. And they're just waiting for that big breakthrough, which should have been Monday night. And, and they're just waiting for it. And that combined with the fact that people do hate the Packers. And they should. What a despicable organization for they're real. so awful. Oh, it's just so pretentiously ridiculous. <laughs> I don't agree with that part. I hate the but Packers. I don't know that that's prevalent throughout the entire <laughs> country. Yeah, before you transition, let Ryan defend himself. Maybe well, I just, tried to get Ryan changed. in on this already, and Ryan didn't want to talk about it. Well, that's not well, true. I, I don't, I uh, people <laughs> don't care about the Lions outside of us, and I think waiting to buy in you is— You still feel that they way? They thought—yes. Just because—so, 
the correlation between, wow, that game was super terribly officiated, and, man, I was really hoping those plucky old Lions would pull it out. That's not the same thing, at least to me. The only thing I'll say about this game before we talk about it, uh, just kind of in more detail, is I'm usually in the camp of even if the officials are bad, it's usually not enough to kind of sway the game to be totally, like, in imbalanced and just in favor of one team, you know, usually in the camp of, hey, win the game because you shot yourself in the foot more times than the referees, you know, screwed you over, which I thought was the case in the Kansas City game. This game, it is a completely different story because that was egregious with the capital E, a capital G, all the capital letters that you want to throw in that word. This game was probably the worst officiated game um, I I think I've seen in the NFL. And that was, I think that piggybacked onto a lot of kind of why you thought people, uh, especially after the game, post game, people wanted the Lions, you know, to pull it out or people were waiting for the Lions to break through. A lot of it obviously was focused on this game, but there was a lot of, you know, them throwing in other instances of the season. What you saw, you know, kind of a tremendous amount of wasn't only, wow, this game specifically was bad, but it was also just the refs in 2019 as a whole have been, you know, the worst in uh, in recent memory, probably the worst since they had the replacement refs what, five, six years ago, whenever that was. That's really only my takeaway from the game is I'm not one to put the blame on officials. This case is different because this was absolutely terrible. Uh, we, I think Matt mentioned the extended drives that happened. They don't score the touchdown uh, on the over-the-shoulder pass. And then, obviously, on the final drive, even if they get the field goal, one, it's not guaranteed, but you probably give Mason Crosby the benefit of the doubt because he is at home and he's been kicking in the NFL very well for a long, long time. 45-yarder against the Lions for Mason Crosby is no given. Right. He actually but even But even if he later. does, we still have a minute 35 to do right. something on exactly. our own and, and get and, the and best And we only need a field distance. goal. And we had a kicker <laughs> who, if you want to talk about, like, the hot hand in other sports, uh, you know, whether it be basketball or whatever, you know, these the kicker had the hot foot, right? Oh, yeah. Prater had Prater a hot had foot five, yesterday. five field goals, and he Two hit from 50. 51 and, think, and then 54. Yep. Um, so, you know, it's kind of – I don't know, man. Like, you, you expect if just one of those calls goes your way – that you you probably end up pulling the game out, and there's a lot of what ifs there. But the last one to me is more egregious because it gave the the Packers the ball for the last six and a half minutes of the game, and didn't give the Lions even a chance to get the ball back and march down the field. Did I see I mean, this right? That they said the second hands to the face was the wrong call, yeah, oh, but God, they didn't say yes. anything about the first hands to the face. No, no, they did say they did state they what they said is the second one was completely indefensible in the first one in the flow of the game was more basically their wording was it was more justifiable while still incorrect i mean the, the second one is just completely yeah. come out and be like wow we completely botched this game Holy somebody crap. who's getting That's crucified except for the out, nfc championship game i i Riveron think... is getting crucified today oh man he's getting just t- taken out to stakes we get the ball with a minute and 40 left in that game we oh win you're winning game. Absolutely. I don't think any of us have a doubt. Do you, or I, we're going four and out and the game's over. I have full Absolutely confidence not. in Prater to you make would. a 65-yard field goal last night in the court. All right. I'm not going that did far. You, did, you see, did you see the way he was kicking the ball? I don't yeah. Know. Like, look, it, the 51-54. Like a a win wasn't bar, guaranteed, but, but you, all, you want the shot. 
Yeah. <laughs> you you need the shot at it. For you sure. deserve the shot at it. Yeah, let's not be ridiculous and say he's going to destroy the record with on a cold and horrible not night. Destroy the record. I mean, he, 64, he yeah, which, he, by the he way, beats yeah, his own, own sixty-four in Denver by hits, one yard. Sixty-four drills, in Denver versus sixty-five drills, in Green Bay. He drills seventy yarders at Ford Field. All all right. the That's fantastic. That is indoors with no weather whatsoever. Last but night, yeah, I'm not, I'm not on you with very cold. What I'm saying is, if you look at the kicks that he kicked, look at his 54 yards. Let's not debate the merits of a 74 was not like blasting past the yeah, crossbar. Can we, can we move past <laughs> like, come this? On this now. does not matter. I have a, I have a schematic. Well, the point, the point was, this wasn't in the I think you win the game, and I don't think that's a crazy take. And that's just that's just the last one. That doesn't right. even count the fact it, that it's not crazy. It's not guaranteed. But. What what was so striking about what Dylan talked about people wanting the Packers to lose is you had I know I did players players <laughs> me, current me players current NFL players on the Vikings in the Bears that were like wow the Lions I really mean, got screwed we well, have I mean, the Packers are on the top so. of the division well of course <laughs> right, yes, like, but that's what I'm how often does a player. <laughs> In division, come out and be like, "Wow, that team got both." It doesn't dude, happen. I mean, okay. never. Which is why it was like it was an egregious it, game. It I said it was the worst officiated happen. game I've seen. I think it happened in the so, NFC Championship. Oh no, <laughs> right Ryan! I, I have a game that is worse. Uh, in 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 our fandom, and it was. Are we a trying to derail this topic? I mean, you just keep talking. I mean, but, you were debating the merits of seventy-yard right, field goal. You were talking about seventy-yard <laughs> field goal. Like, no, thank you. Even Sebastian Janikowski. I didn't say is seventy. I said sixty-five. You did. He, you, you said he drilled seventy yards in Ford Field all the time. I said he hit seventies in warm-ups. Is completely different. In Ford okay, Field. Whatever. So then why bring I'm it up? At, no, we're still bringing it up. No, not that. By the way, worst officiate game is not this one. It's no, against Nebraska and Michigan State. That is still the worst game I've ever seen. That was one call. That was no, no, it was not. There was actually multiple. There, there were that, multiple that, calls in that game. There were. It was really bad. Like that's that, in, 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 in that game. Out. I wouldn't blame the officials though, even though Michigan State uh, lost. And, that's, and that is a. I, I don't oh, want to get on. too into this now because I'm well, going to no, bring up that. That, that up team later. was so bad, and yeah, it doesn't matter. But it's, it's that Nebraska team was so bad, you shouldn't be in the game. We'll talk about that more later. Two wins or something at the time. No, right. On, on to no, the next wait one. a minute. No, there's no chance. I'm looking that up. But go on. I thought they were like 2-9 and nine or 2-8 and eight or some shit. I'm looking it up, but that doesn't mean Paul can't I move th- on. I thought it was more like four wins. It doesn't matter. Either way, it was not a good team. We had no business losing that game. Yeah, you guys can get the hell out of here. That was the that was the five and seven team that went to the bowl and ran a UC a ranked UCLA. Team. So they had what four Losing wins record. at the time? <laughs> five wins. Come on. Yeah, one, 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 one of them was four. over you. One of them I said was four over at you. the time. If so we're doing scaling fifth. again, if we're doing scaling, though, why are we talking about football? Michigan State, we're, Nebraska from years ago? Because, because no, 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 no. There's no reason. Let it go. Because Dylan would let it go. Because I won't. Because that, this segment's going to be long enough without us derailing it with Michigan State Nebraska Correct. from 2016. I'm trying, to le- I'm trying to level with you guys here because I don't feel the same way about this game, and I'm trying to trying to give a parallel. But my bad. I I'm sorry for trying to emotionally sympathize. How did uh, your heart feel? Apology on the double not dunk? accepted. That's how we felt with these calls. Well, regardless, we can all agree it was extremely egregious. It was bad enough. You have current NFL players come out blasting it. You have a a, a network like ESPN that does not normally come out and put leagues on blast, especially Man of the like People, the Booger McFarland. Yeah, really, really, really yeah, right. For, so the former player got to him. Booger, and, and I will say, and I said this long before, the broadcast is terrible. Monday Night Football is garbage as far as the broadcast right now. It's it's a bad product. I don't know what happened. 
Like, I don't Not know anymore. how this is. They, they lost Papa Kornheiser and broadcasting and Jaws. Team, but it's, it's been bad. terrible for a decade. But Booger certainly endeared himself to Lions fans all over. <laughs> and enjoy he's it. It's, a, it's his only year being a Monday Night Football, but we should enjoy he it. I know. He's, he's an honorary Lion. He absolutely <laughs> would He's not like Detlef Schrempf for the NFL now. How bad <laughs> he got boned. And that was, that was bad enough. But then at the conclusion of the game, we go to SVP, the ever honorable SVP, who oh, has sucked not. off the Aaron Rodgers God. once or twice. I mean, this I is mean... not a guy that is averse to trumpeting on the Packers. And he opened his show by highlighting every single way the Lions got inexplicably ramrodded. That's how he opened his ESPN show after postgame. That's how bad this was. So we are all in agreement. The entire universe, for the most part, is like, wow, the officiating was really bad. What we are not in agreement on, we in this podcast are, but as a unified Ugh, fandom, so stupid. is the people that are going to sit there and tell you, at the end of the day, you can't let it be in the ref's hands. You can't let a Jesus couple calls Christ. make so the difference stupid. in a game. That you can't kick five field goals against the Packers and expect to win the game. That you should have done more. And to all of you people, you are right, pathetic, okay. loser mentality. Right. And that's the, that's the most Already important Already got the download. <laughs> the most important <laughs> The most important thing to me, because I hear this, oh, it's a loser thing to blame the ref. No, it is a loser mentality to think that something you have no control over yet has huge impact in games, that that shouldn't matter. In fairness, I think Ryan said it best, that the difference between KC and this, yeah, there were bad calls in that, but it's different in this one. You actually play much better. This is the national We did football. and didn't, though. There were some big play- We opened the game with a 66-yard oh, bomb to a guy that can't outrun anybody, and then we follow it up with fumbling the snap. Hold on. So now we if go from— If you told any NFL fan that Galladay was going to get behind a defense by a couple yards, was going to get a perfect ball in stride, there is nobody that would think that he couldn't make it the last 20 yards to the end zone. Without getting okay, tackled but from he behind. didn't stretch before and the game. We follow that up with a three and out for a field goal. Every other oh team, God. winning team, follows that up by putting it in the end zone. For oh that's my not God. true. Are you kidding it me? is horse shit. Oh, it is I'm true. Glad. So I am glad. Does Come Seattle turn good. that into a touchdown? Yes. This Does New good. Orleans? Yes. This Do the Patriots? Good yes. For the podcast that Matt wait, wait, wait. You're talking about opinion. New Orleans that scored 13 points in a win this weekend? Hold up. Stop. I'm sorry. I'm talking about with their real quarterback. Quarterback. I'm not talking about with Teddy oh. Bridgewater. <laughs> okay, you want to talk about real quarterbacks? Jesus you want to talk about how many times the Patriots haven't converted in that situation? Yeah, they scored 60 You want to talk about them going to the Bills a couple weeks ago? And need, if you start that game call, the most beautiful way possible, but you follow it up the most Lions the way possible. Shouting brothers, relax. You start that game. Pats a couple weeks ago, they lose to the Who Bills. Who cares? I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the fact that we start that Whoa. game perfectly and then we finish it lions s dude you we finish it completely lions s we fumble it on first down God, we do yeah. nothing after that and we end to up taking a disheartening deflating field goal 
And we I almost do it the... again. I don't know how they said carry on was, was so surely deflating. in the end hey, zone. Hey, Dylan. Hey, Dylan, do this one for me. It was so deflating. We stopped the Packers on their next drive and then went down and scored a I'm touchdown. I'm talking back. about as a fan rooting for this team to well, win this what? football game you and put a stranglehold early and be up 21 nothing as opposed to 13 nothing. And also, you okay, you're also being so disingenuous because you're saying, oh, well, we had the one play and then nothing. You had 184 yards in the first quarter. Uh, Matt is like, doing what else candy you want? I understand. We had right two big-ass bombs like that were great. I'm talking about that one intro, and that one instance where we start with a 66-yard play to get down there right away drive, and punch these guys in the make. face immediately. And you we blow it by it fumbling the, the snap. Nothing. The second snap of the game, we fumble it and go backwards. And up Can here we go. Can you tell me in what world oh scoring a field goal on the opening drive, stuffing them on their drive, and then scoring a touchdown on the ensuing right. drive is what not punching them in the want? mouth? <laughs> I wanted end zones. I wanted six each time. You wanted to be up 14 nothing instead of 10 after two possessions. I mean, really? Are, are, is like, this it's real a life right difference. now? It's two scores. This is Yeah, two scores versus three. This okay, is what is the, most important, and I. Oh this is what I is can't. so just mind-numbingly stupid about You're, this take. Just so inconceivably, like, I want to legitimately put my hands. Who was it? Oh who was it a couple nope, no Who reason. was it a couple weeks ago? <laughs> OBJ, who was the corner? Who was the corner? Help me out. Oh, that choked him out? You're not no saying idea. the team. No, the corner oh, that you, choked him out. Oh, from Baltimore. Yeah, I know. It, was it Humphrey? These people. Whatever his name was. Was it Marlon Humphrey? Okay, can I... Yes, I'm going to feel this real quick because here's the reason that I despise this opinion because, number one, it's faux intellectualism. The only individuals that are really sitting there telling themselves this is because they want to be smarter than the masses, which if you listen to the people who are saying it, it Wait, fits the bill. Like Melanie or Cowherd or Bogey or Hatchet. Listen, Dylan has a lot of experience from this perspective. I was going to say, wait a minute, this is the guy, this is the guy that says you still have time to win it. So Dylan recognizes it. I mean, I'm not done yet. That's the crazy part. So here's the thing. 100%, I have been guilty of this in the past many times where I say opinions that I, like, sure, I believe it, but I've been selling myself into believing it. It's the same thing with conspiracy theories. People who believe in conspiracy theories are generally really smart because they can sell themselves on the lie. It's the same thing. I don't doubt that these people believe what they're saying. But that doesn't mean it's true because here's the it, there's only one example that we really even need because you want to say, oh, we'll just win the game. Well, you did on third down in the red zone when your defense had no pass rush and you had a beautiful coverage sack where there was the hands to the face call. And the only reason that it was called there was to move because it was third down, there would have been the field goal. We already talked about Mason Crosby. You did everything you needed. You stopped Aaron Rodgers and that entire offense. Wait, one more time. Four plays. Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. <laughs> he did it but the same you stopped way. Them, you stopped them for four plays in a coverage sack that is literally the only way that the defense could have done that other than blitzing. They did everything right to, for that to give the, the offense oh, I'm, a I'm chance to drive. Okay, hold on. But again, if you're going to sit there and say, oh, we'll just win the game. Oh, well, they tried to, and it didn't matter. That's no, I mean, lazy. You, you, you can't expect a team to play perfect, and a team shouldn't have to play perfect to win. That's it. That's it right there. 
No one plays a perfect game. But they game. play perfect on this that play this where it matters. This isn't the Seattle versus Broncos Super Bowl. Like, those games don't happen but once in a freaking season. No teams play perfect games. You cannot yeah, what's, what's the average NFL spread? Like, six? To win football games. You are on the road in Lambeau, a notoriously difficult place to play against. Because the, the team, stadium was rock against hard. Against a team that... <laughs> Most of most people consider a contender. I, I personally don't. I think they're a step below that. But pretty much everyone hails this team as a contender. Everyone sucks Aaron Rodgers off. The worst you'll ever hear. And Adrian Amos. Oh, man. It's absolutely absurd. But everyone sucks this team off. So you're going on the road to a divisional rival, to a, what is supposed to be a really good team. Of course, even if you're one of the best teams in the NFL – that game is going to come down to a couple plays. Even if you I mean, play Philly a clean played their minds game, out. even if you play a clean game, it's going to be a close game. And in close games, you know what the difference is? Calls like that. When you have calls that end drives and extend drives, the first hands of the face was way worse to me baby. because if they don't call that, it's game over. It's a bunch, the game's yeah. over, done. They are punting the ball, not scoring a touchdown, which they went on to do a minute later. They're punting the ball. It was back a nine-point game. Game over. It's done. Absolutely. They, like that—that that was the game right there. Then you, everyone's like, "Oh, the the Lions' offense didn't do anything the second half." I will give you that our offense, like they often do, went into a conservative shell and tried to grind out the clock, which you guys know how much I hate that. But when that wasn't working. Darren Bevel had a light bulb go on, and he's like, you know what? We're going to have to make some plays to win this game. So what did he do on second down make and six? Plays. He ran hard play action and dropped a <laughs> bomb to Marvin Jones. And Marvin Jones was in a really good spot to catch the ball, except you know what happened? He got clotheslined. But you know what mm. didn't happen is we didn't get a flag for pass interference. And because the pass interference review rule is so broken, our coach didn't oh, challenge yeah. it. One out of 23, right? Overturned. So, you said, well, our, our offense didn't do anything. Well, yeah, the refs kind of stopped that, too. And, and also, if Hawkinson catches that touchdown, oh, like, man. we're not even having this discussion. Or if Galladay scores a touchdown, if one of the hundred We got top ten go tight ends. Way, we win the game. Dropping but touchdowns. You're never going to play that. a perfect game. And the thing <laughs> that makes me more mad than anything else, it's not that you're like, oh, the Lions should have played better. That's not all that it is. How do you let the other team off the hook? If the Lions should have played better, what the f*** were the Green Bay Packers oh, doing? Man, well, you don't have to talk ass. about what the Packers should have done because they won. But I do. <laughs> so, I so am going to talk about it because well, they got oh, their asses outplayed you, all no, the, the, biggest, the The biggest problem I had with with what the act, with, what the Lions actually did was the uh, the 12 men on the field on the field goal. When you had two timeouts in the first half, like, take a timeout. Have somebody. Well, somebody have should be counting the players on the field anyway. Because if you break – if you're in the huddle, it's an automatic penalty. You don't get to take a timeout. If right, but the Packers having the 13 Packers guys it. is not. The right, Packers – well, so it's a little bit different because the Packers weren't huddled up, but they have 13 the offense guys on the was field. set with their center's hand on the ball. It should have been a penalty. But, again, we know that the Lions got screwed penalty-wise. We don't, we don't have to rehash the same thing. What is more important to address is why getting screwed matters. To kill this stupid narrative that you shouldn't put it in the ref's hands. Listen, most people had the Lions losing this game. The Packers were favored in this game, and 75% of the public money was on them. 
Most people did not have the Lions Mm. winning this game. And we can sit here and be like, well, I thought the Lions would compete. I told you guys last week that this was absolutely a game the Lions should win. I told you that I thought it would be pathetic if they lose this game. (laughs) You were very close. (laughs) I was very clear that this was a game that they needed to win. But the perception was that the Lions were not going to win this game. So for the Lions to do what they did and be in position to win the game means they had to play a pretty darn decent game, right? So to expect them, a game that you thought they were going to lose, to somehow overcome not one, not two, but three, four atrocious game-changing calls. How pathetic is that for you in your mind to do those mental okay. gymnastics? That's a little to too turn, No, it's not All harsh right. because this is the the, the is these harsh. people. They don't. There's no logic behind. Well, it. I mean, they're not it, listening anymore anyway. It is. That's fine. <laughs> they should listen. I mean, they can go watch Dora with their little daughter because that's where Why the level that? that they Why think. Why go at. there? Why go there? That's Why? Because that's how dumb these people are. And it okay, even though me. like Matt has it been talking me. as if he were one and you're like attacking. Well, him. I know that I know that Matt is doing the candy ass devil's advocate. I know that he doesn't okay, actually and then we're doing that. that. And you know, you right. guys know, or I know Ryan knows, when Don pulled this shit last night, I went on him much worse. <laughs> he apologized. He, he was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I mean I I, I do no, not this Don went the, back and reviewed the tape. <laughs> this is one of the things like, you know, that I just I, wrong. I, I can't put up with this dishonesty. Like this level of just mental gymnastics that somehow in your mind you go from a team that's a big underdog to all of a sudden they should overcome game-changing call after game-changing call. Moving forward. You know what this is? So why why does it matter? You know what this is? This is victim blaming. Okay. Okay. No, 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 Hell, we're not comparing. No, we are not comparing bullshit. this to rape victims. No, I not didn't. Chan- not happening. You said victim blaming, which is wh- when do I accuse you of that? Did Paul uh, leave? You know. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think he left. He did leave because he was so upset. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, and just left a fire emoji. All right. Anyways, so I'm going to ask you two a question <laughs> since he he decided to leave. So my mentality about what happened at yesterday from an outsider's perspective was about y'all's emotions. Cause I have a parallel. I have a parallel. Why are you doing this right now? I'm trying to keep it forward. How's my service still going? <laughs> you're, you're good. Yes, we are. So from an outsider's perspective, my equivalent parallel is that like you guys deal with the, the, you know, the ref stuff all the time. Right. So that emotional existential despair of, Oh, here we go again. Is how I feel about my quarterback situation with the Bears. The Bears will literally never have a franchise quarterback. I know it's not going to happen. I know I can believe that for whatever reason, I'm going to get one, but I know I never will. And so it puts me in a really dark place. And I'm wondering where you guys are moving forward. Matt, in particular, considering how much you really didn't believe in this team. Where are you mentally moving forward with this team? I actually feel a lot better about this team. And I am backing off of my five-win take and bumping it up to uh, a seven-to-eight-win take. Uh, this team, this team is tougher than I thought it was going to be, and hmm. I think that matters a lot. I've, I've I've always thought that mattered a lot. I've always thought we've had mentally weak 
squads, which has played into the fact that we've had miserable season for miserable season. The biggest thing for me is not going to change until the Fords no longer own the Lions, or they show me that they actually care enough about the Lions to care about putting a winning program on the field for the fans of Detroit, because I've never seen it consistently. It's a surprise here or there, but that's it. That's what my... I think you can put point to five out of my 37 years on this planet that the Lions have had a legitimately good football team. And to me, when you give me 32 years of shit, I can't just automatically get behind the team. But what I'm seeing so far this year, outside of the first game of the season where they just blew it, I've seen them fight and fight really hard and deserve to win Every single game they've been in so far this year. The Lions legitimately deserve to be 5-0. and Yeah. And they're not. Through some fault of their own, a little bit with Kansas City, but I still put a lot on what happened in that game on the guys wearing black and white. But more I mean, so, obviously. a lot obviously... of fault in their own in the Arizona game. Oh, absolutely. Right. No, the Arizona game, that was that was head coaching fault. I'll put that more on the players of deciding to take their foot off the gas. I don't know why you ever take your foot off the gas. I've never understood it. I never will understand it. I will never understand, oh, we got to milk the clock, so we're just going to run the ball three times, probably not get the first down, and hope that it's good enough. <laughs> and I've seen so many goddamn examples that it's not good enough between the Spartans and the Lions that I will never be okay with it. And... So you have more hope? I do have more hope. I do have more hope for this team. I've seen them fight. I've seen all the bad-mouthing and the stats showing their defense is not that good, yet keep them in football games. I've seen the offense do enough with the run game so far this year to at least make the opposing defense focus a little bit on it and not just expect that it's nothing but Stafford throwing to whoever he can, whenever he can, because there's enough of a running game to have some trust in it to move the ball forward, to move the sticks forward. So I do actually have more hope for this team after this performance. Yeah, I'm the Ryan. exact opposite. Because <laughs> oh, I had Jesus. him. Well, we had Matt had him at, what, 5-11? and 11, I had him at 11-5. and five He had him at our, 4 uh, I, had, I changed that to, after preview. the Kansas City to one more win. So I've given it a few okay. more well. since then. <laughs> so I had him at 11-5 uh, and five in our preview. And now, even though I don't think they're a much worse team than I thought at the beginning of the season, I do think they're worse because the defensive line isn't as good as it should have been. Uh, but the secondary is a lot better. One thing that's gotten lost in the game oh, is man. Justin, Justin Coleman. Coleman. Man, he played an, another Ooh. outstanding game. Um, he's so good. Yeah, he's an excellent pickup. And I'm excited to have him on the team and then watch him in the future. But just if you look at the logistics of how the standings are right now, the Packers are 5-1. and one, We're 2-2-1. Two, two and one. So we're, I don't know how it works, a game and a half back to maybe two games back or something like that. What's important to me, though, is the fact that the Packers are also 3-0 and in the division right now. So even if we can make up that game on them and beat them uh, at Ford Field in Detroit, we're going to have to split the – or we're going to have to go – we have five games left, so yeah, we're gonna have to go three and two in division to be equal to them, and that's with them not winning another game. So you essentially have to make up an entire extra game on the Packers because they're gonna get the tiebreaker uh, if they go to the division record, which the Packers will probably have, you know, at least be four and two because they're already obviously three and zero right now. And mm-hmm. there's just not much hope, kind of elsewhere. You look at how well Seattle's playing. Uh, no, even how well the Niners are playing, who I still don't like. Oh, man. But, I mean, oh, man. They keep winning. 
Uh, <laughs> and you know, obviously the Rams just got Jalen Ramsey, and the Rams are a team that you probably are going to think are going to be better than the Lions anyway, just moving forward. Uh, yeah. Teams like, and I, the Eagles just got, I know, carved up by the Vikings. But they're just teams like that where you kind of see as the Lions being on par with. Uh, and games like this and the Kansas City game, where even if you thought they were going to lose them coming into the season, just the way that they dropped them has been really kind of heartbreaking. And you do see some of the other uh, issues that do plague them, which don't obviously match up well with teams on their schedule. We know that they have offensive line issues. Obviously, they have the Bears and the Vikings. And then uh, I talked about they can't stop the run on defense, and the Vikings coming in and they're bringing, you know, Dalvin Cook. And I think that's probably what the Vikings are going to try and do because I don't think, and we'll talk a little bit about it in the picks later. I don't think that the uh, I don't think that Kirk Cousins is going to be able to obviously carve up the uh, carve up the secondary um, like he did against the Eagles. Yeah, career day. But I don't know that that's going to matter or if he's really going to have to do a whole lot of that uh, if Dalvin Cook is busting out, you know, four and a half, five yards of carry. So it's a it's less it's less hope. Even though I don't think the team is terrible, it's just a lot to make up. Um, you kind of so early in the season. That's the kind of only silver light. Is that it is silver lining, silver light. Silver lining is that it is so early in the season. So you can bounce back, but it's 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 a, it's a rough uh, rough sailing ahead. I don't think I see because of the same thing as what I was saying with my parallel. Like it, it, you got to look for the little moments, right? For for stuff like this. And when it comes to the officiating, it's like, oh, here we go again. And I, from an outside, keep asking myself why the Lions. I think Paul's point may be very correct that they just, the NFL just does not care if they screw you over or not. But I think, I said this, I asked this question, and I think it's very interesting what we'll see moving on, is if y'all come out and beat Minnesota, oh, that goes a long way in terms of the season trajectory because i we we mentioned this team already multiple times but the new orleans saints right they had a similar situation on a far larger scale obviously i'm not going to recant that what i am going to recant however or you know just explain however is that throughout all of that while the city was bitching while everybody else was bitching the perfect thing was their leader drew Brees. what did he say He didn't complain about the officiating. All he said was, let's move forward. And you know what I think is going to happen? Everybody wants Stafford to say some stuff, right? That's not how they're going to be. They're going to be like, let's move forward. Let's move on to the next game. That's what Patricia's been saying. And I respect the hell out of that. So I think if they come out and they beat a Minnesota team that's on the up and up, there's some good things ahead for this team. As Matt had said, very mentally sound. That's what I'm looking for moving forward for this Lions team. Especially if you guys beat Minnesota next week, I think you can. You're gonna go. To I mean, the yeah, a if win. You a win obviously always helps. <laughs> you know, moving forward, uh, just kind of on the base like level. Behind thing. it. I mean, I think they're mentally tough anyway. I just think it's a lot to ask of a football team, no matter how mentally tough Absolutely. and being mentally tough helps, of course. But it's a lot to ask them. Where even if you felt like they got both games ripped away from them. It's a lot to ask of a team, okay, now you have to just win the amount of games. Now you have to be talented enough. You have to be good enough at football to go ahead and probably only drop, what, maybe two, three more games 
like maximum on the season. Um, you might, I mean, you might be able to get obviously a wild card at nine, six, and one. But I think this team, definitely in the preseason, and even some of the fans had higher aspirations than that when the season starts. Uh, well, probably like they do most every season. But you're basically asking this Didn't, team for, uh, you know, they got to go seven and four in the next uh, eleven. And one, they might just not be a good enough team to do that, even though the schedule does get a little bit easier. But that's just there's a really tough ask. Like, hey, even though you know you guys have played well, sure. you guys have to do this. And even if they're mentally tough enough, you know there are bad breaks in other games where it doesn't mean the team will fold. But you get uh you get an interception like the Packers had yesterday, right? Well, they're marching. It looks like they're brought to score a touchdown, and then their receiver falls down. The ball pops up, and Justin Coleman picks it up, and he returns it, you know, 40 yards to midfield or whatever it was. Like things like right. that in the game happen, and those are the kind of things that can shift the game, which is another reason why yesterday uh, hurt so much, or Monday by the time this comes out, is the Lions were like plus three in the turnover department. Um, you know, obviously on the good side of that, and I, the game still didn't still didn't work out for us. Hmm. I got gotcha. you. <sighs> well, I think that we need to go from depressing to even more depressing, guys. Yeah, yeah. What, one thing that wasn't our fault to one that was completely our fault? I mean, okay, so I want to lead off with this by patting myself now on the you, shoulder. Now you get to shoulder. breathe the rest of the season. <laughs> well, that is absolutely true. But uh, I, I, I do want to give myself a little pat on the shoulder because back in, what was it, January or March of this year, I recanted – that's my word of the day, I guess. But I relayed that I had screamed on the phone to my father, not at him, to him, about a presser that this dude, this man who is tanking our program, reshuffled the cards, and Michigan State was for the third straight year going to change nothing. And we sit here at 4-3 and three on the season. With our offense being shut out the same way they did against Alabama, looking hapless, helpless, with no direction, with a quarterback that has improved and a defense that, for the life of it, is trying as hard as it can. I, I do feel vindicated in the worst way. I don't want to be right about this, but I absolutely was. And I don't have the emotion anymore. I relayed it back in January. I knew this was going to happen. And at this point, I'm just done. Let's move on. Luke Fickle or Matt Campbell, give me someone new. Please, I'm done with this guy. Uh, I don't know about how you guys are, but I'm, I'm just, I'm done. I don't okay, care but to, to be fair... Only one of their losses right now is, like, really? And that's ASU. You didn't see them beating Ohio State. That wasn't happening. We've been lucky a couple times in our history with them, you know, with Mark D'Antonio there at at the helm. The Wisconsin team, you you didn't believe in them starting this season. Ryan and I both absolutely did. And we saw this as being a really good football team. Maybe not as good as they've been, but we believed in them being a good football team and knew that this would be a problem game. Shut us up. We did not see them Alabamaing us 38-0. But they have a better like, offense right now than us. They have a better defense than us right now. And they were at home. And so they should have won that football game. We should have played better. We should have put some points on the board. But I didn't see this as a win coming into the schedule. Yeah, man, we suck. Uh, as, as, far as, <laughs> as far as, like, the D'Antonio stuff and wanting him Ooh. gone, wanting someone new here, I think we're we – well, at least me and Dylan think that he's retiring at the end of the year. You know, kind of regardless of what happens. Yeah, I don't know, man. Oh, I, so 
I think, I'm sorry to speak for you, I think he's returning at the end of the year, so I think you get somebody <laughs> new anyway. And with all Mark has done, I'd rather see him retire, if it's going to be, you know, this year, than have, uh, have us, like, fire him at the end of the year if he was just going to walk away anyway. Right, this is a more a more dignified exit that you know he deserves. Unless he's thinking about sticking around for two or three more years, then you really have to say, "Hey, now we got to really do something." You either have to get a whole new staff, or you know, I'm not sure that this is going to work out so much longer with you being here. And that's really where I think it comes down to. And I think he would rather just retire than you know kick every every one of his friends off of his coaching staff but I mean it's needed at this point Uh, I've seen a lot of talk on Twitter and I didn't really uh, realize this at the time but they say you know he took a 10 and 3 win team two years ago a young 10 and 3 win team a 10 and 3 win a young 10 win team excuse me from two years ago even as you know some of the wins were lucky schedule was weak whatever it was a young team that won 10 games and then with them he's gone 7 and 5 and is probably going to go like 7 and 5 again the next two oh years, God. you know, injuries and obviously other things like that occur. But you took a you know a team that was really kind of full of promise, uh, you know, really setting this year or next year up to be like your last kind of hurrah, um, and you've completely just kind of dismantled and sullied that to make it a really underwhelming ending for you. And it's a shame that that's how I view that his career is going to come to an end. But I mean, it's. It's necessary. It's time. We don't want him to constantly churn out, you know, four more seven and five seasons. Uh, I know. I, I've been over it since 2010. I know some of us, uh, like Paul, talking about the, uh, you know, recruiting, and he's right. There's not a lot of talent coming down the pipeline. Um, so you know, you want, you need something to give this, just this program, a you know, a juice or a spark back up, like a steroid shot, if you will. And maybe even do steroids if that's going to help you win some games. But, I mean, the rest of this year, there's not really a game you're looking forward to except maybe the Michigan game, and that's just because it's a rivalry. But you're not excited to go play Penn State. You're not excited to play anybody else because they're either uh, not good enough to get excited about or even not happy enough that you'd win. Like, if you go out and beat Minnesota, you go out, What's and, the beat, point? Right, you go out and beat Illinois Rutgers, it doesn't do anything for you. And then the other teams that you were excited to play, Penn State, Michigan, you're probably looking at those games like, eh, well, we know we might just get our ass kicked again. Like 38 nothing is super embarrassing. I wish we would have lost 45 nothing just because Alabama 38 nothing does, and I hated seeing that score again. <laughs> but it's really becoming very quickly a lost season. Though, you know, Like I said, the only other games are – Michigan, Penn State, and then, you know, you might get excited about the bowl game just because you've been out of football for two or three weeks with your team. But other than that, oh, there's you. not there's not anything to look forward to for the rest of the year. And being this early in the year, you know, seven games in, it sucks. Well, and another thing also to keep in mind is it's not just this year. Next year, Jesus. Yeah. The, the, the team is going to be lucky to get six wins. The schedule, number one, is super hard. If you look at the non-conference – and our regular schedule, we play Miami and at BYU to start the year, and I believe we play Toledo as yeah, well. But if, that's our if you do get a new coach, though, Ooh. next year, that's what at least you're going to be excited about. And you're not well, going to exactly. expect them yeah, to go you sure. know, 11-1 and one or whatever in the regular yeah, season. But if you get a guy like Fickle, um, or really, really just anybody at this point that's not on this staff, I think people will be able to sell themselves on. 
I don't know to tell you on it. It's it's this isn't a surprise to me. I didn't you, we, while I didn't go off the deep end like you did at Mark's press conference to start you know to before the year started of the shuffling of the deck as opposed to actually bringing in people. It didn't give me hope for a great season. I didn't care that Lewerke is coming back healthy. I still didn't believe in our offensive line. I still th- saw our secondary as a huge problem to an otherwise great defense. And, you know, going up against the top talent in this, you know, in the Big Ten, I didn't see us winning these games. Maybe we pull out one or two of them against teams that might be better than us, but I didn't expect it. I didn't ex- really expect much more than eight wins in the season. And I think that's what we're on track for. It's just so dark and it's sad and it's like it's worse than the Lions in every way because at least the Lions like every like you can at least say hey at least they played well and then they got screwed like we're screwing ourselves and now there's four guys who are transferring out of the program that's not a good sign Mark also low key out of all this because I, I will say giving a little credence to Ryan that Mark may retire a federal judge has forced him to have a full what I don't know the terminology for this. I don't know if deposition is the word, but he has to answer a lot of questions about some stuff around his program. Uh, that's not exactly something he, that you want to give have little Wayne while answers. your football team is tanking. So I'm sorry to give those little Wayne answers in the interview. So did you perform <laughs> at Lollapalooza? Yeah, so he... I perform at this badass chick birthday party. <laughs> that's <just> hilarious. <laughs> So, but it, like you, you on top of your your program tanking, you have off the field issues where your players are leaving your program. You're not getting recruits, and you have a legal battle. Oh, oh boy, that's just that's that that's rough. And then next year, a ton of exodus out of players and seniors. And then on top of that, the schedule is so hard. It, it seems like the time to reset has to be. And, and Mark gets to retire and done. not have anybody uh, hate him. If he retired after this year. I mean, I, yeah, he's the best coach ever. I disagree. I, I His reputation is tar- is just tainted as, forever. As, yeah, it's only not. to you, though. But, okay, but it's also because I, out of everybody, I've seen this coming. And I will not forgive him for destroying the thing he created. You don't get that right. You don't get to have a pass because you got us to really good heights, made us believe, and then just destroyed it again. Because you're an arrogant old man, you don't get that right. I don't care what you. I mean, there was only four it's years the same of destruction. Thing with Mac Brown, <laughs> which is why he's gonna and, but be like, able look to what skate by. With Mac Brown in Texas, it's the same thing. Mac Brown didn't have the right to win a national title, and then look what what Texas football has had to do because of Mac Brown. In Michigan, stays the same way, but it's worse because we won't even be able to get to where Tom Herman has Texas right now for the next decade, maybe. He doesn't get. get that right just because he won a Rose Bowl. He just doesn't. And a Cotton Bowl. I, oh, okay. Yes, you're right. That Where was a great comeback against points. Baylor. It is, but all, but with every comeback, you need the other team to be able to screw up majorly. Oh, well, it happened. I, I'm, look, I'm with you. He did great stuff, but that doesn't give him a right to do what Mac Brown did at a much lesser football. I'm just saying for him, he can retire. And then people are going to still love him because... He had obviously four, four. Yeah, he had four bad years at then. Well, I mean, three bad years, and one, one okay year. But again, but even then, that ten-win season, they lost the biggest games they had on the schedule, got bombed in those games, and the schedule was really. Yeah, soft. But people didn't hate the year, and it was the year they beat Michigan. So I think most people at the end of the year were at least like, eh, all right, 
I didn't like that they got bombed because yes. after losing Ohio State, they took them out of the Big Ten race. But You're right. if, they had, if they had years like that, they'd be just <sighs> like Harbaugh. Hey, yo. But speaking of Michigan State and the players <laughs> on the team, one man defensive lineman, uh, Naquan Naquan Jones. I'm sorry, I don't know how to say your first name. It's sir. Naquan. But he went uh, he went off Not important. at the, the fake fans, um, and he's probably being very much directed at fans like Dylan. You know, fans booing, telling the team you suck, da 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 da. And basically, his stance is one that you've heard athletes have for as long as they've been playing sports with balls and pucks and things of that nature is if you're not the one that's playing the sport, if you're not strapped up with me on the sideline, you can pretty much just shut the hell up about how I go ahead and I play this game because there's absolutely no way that you could do what I'd be doing. And I know Dylan has uh, – Dylan doesn't like that. I don't for not a as much. He doesn't like reasons. being 5'6". Excuse me, called 5'6". <laughs> <laughs> Uncalled for. But, uh, okay, so here hmm. – I don't want to. I don't want to lead off with this because I, I don't want to go long winded with it. But like, dude, screw off. Are you kidding me? I hate when athletes do this in general, but especially college ones where, dude, you don't understand the powers and dynamics that function to make you be able to have opportunities that most people would dream of. Because whether you're starting or not, being a part of a football program gives you so many opportunities with the relationships that you have where you are set for life as long as you give even a modicum of blanks, expletives. And to sit there and then say, oh, well, you're a fake fan because you want something better than Mark D'Antonio tearing down the program. Oh, I'm sorry. My father and I have had season tickets since I was five years old. And because of the success that Mark had... They decided to add on a explicitly labeled scholarship on top of our ticket prices. It was not the ticket price itself. It was a scholarship going towards the athletic program that we had to pay for to see a substandard product. And you want to sit there and tell me that I should be quiet because my hard-earned money is giving you your football facilities, giving you the recruiting trips that even got you there in the first place. And you want to sit there and give me a hard time about that when you no, don't understand anything of the machinations that are going on with that. It's not – or it's not, it has nothing to do with whether the kid himself is stupid. It, it has nothing to do with whether he himself is a stupid kid or not. It's just a very tone-deaf thing, specifically with Michigan State, where Mark D'Antonio's success made us pay more tickets just to be able to see us not even score 20 points a game. Piss off. I mean, he worked to get to the point where he was offered a scholarship, you know, by Michigan State, or even just walk on. So it's not like it was something that was just given to him. He worked, and he obviously cares about the team, which is why he's so upset that people are attacking it, right? I know you're working on uh, a book. So say, you know, you put out the book, and obviously you're really proud of it because it's your work, X, Y, and Z. It took you however many years. And then there's all these random strangers who aren't writing, they're not scholars, they're not journalists or whatever, and they're just like, oh, this book's shitty. Page 5 is terrible page eight is even worse he is his character suck and everything like that you're not just gonna be like hey guys well you paid for the book so i guess your opinions mean the world to me you're probably going to be upset that people are just trashing your shit without themselves putting an attempt or an effort to do the same thing or knowing that they can do the same thing and even with football it's even it's probably multiplied because not only is it you 
uh, you know, in the trenches, right? You have quote unquote brothers at war and guys that you spend all your time with. Your roommate's probably a football player, and it's you know you develop a relationship and like a family with these guys. And it's not only people attacking you; it's people attacking them. Uh, you know, I'm sure you've seen the Penn State letter. Some people go very weirdly far with it. I, you might even saw the uh, right. the dude who tweeted at uh, Mustafa Muhammad, the tight end, tran- the Muslim tight end transfer. Um, he transferred out of Michigan, and some dude was talking about, oh, this is a Christian university, you know, you shouldn't have been here in the first place, and just wild shit like that. So right, you're, right, right, you're right. hearing that, and obviously it's not always up to that level, but I can understand definitely how it takes a toll on a kid who's, you know, 20, 21, uh, maybe even 18, 19 years old. And I think it's I think it's ridiculous that you would have the stance for them to just basically like shut the hell up. I'm just I'm bothered by the direction of the program, and I I will be honest. I think a major reason why this is occurring, and, and to be fair, you are correct. Like this should not be on the shoulders of the players for the program going to shit. You are correct, which is the reason why the fault of this and the person that the player should be mad at, which maybe he is, he'll never say it, for very rightful reasons, get mad at Mark. If Mark D'Antonio were shouldering the blame for this and not pretending like everything was hunky-dory, then him sounding off on that, maybe I'd be more okay with it. I'll be honest. If if the coach wasn't pretending like anyone who questioned the program was an absolute moron and not treating this like a cult of personality— Maybe I would take that criticism in a different way. I, I would. But the fact that it's not, it's just another voice adding to the narrative that everything is fine in East Lansing and any dissenters just – I mean, obviously, it's not like China because human rights violations, right? But it's the same principle behind it that anyone questioning the norm, you are lesser and you should be quiet. And no change needs to happen because everything is fine. No, it's not. And I'm paying to see that it's not working. And the guy who's in ahead of it is not taking responsibility. And right or wrong, you guys are the ones who are feeling the brunt of it because your coach is either a coward, stubborn, asshole, all of them combined. He called a reporter – he didn't call the reporter but said that a reporter's question regarding the fact that his offense seven weeks in is still subpar said it was a dumbass question. Rage is going to come out of that. And clearly the coach isn't shouldering it. You should be mad at your coach about that. But again, you're on scholarship, so I get that you're not going to do that. But, like, tensions are high. This is going to happen, and it's it's a byproduct of it. It's not right. You are correct. But I don't know where else to put my rage at this point. <laughs> and hearing that from somebody who is not informed, I don't know what else to do. Put it in it. <laughs> no, I, Dylan, I want to, you know, want to applaud you on your, your argument because it makes a ton of sense. It absolutely makes a ton of sense from your end for the people that are spending this money. And, you hey, know, you get Paul back. <laughs> the it makes sense from your end it also makes sense from his end where all the hard work he has done to get where he is all the hard work they continue to do day in and day out to put a good football team on the field and i'm talking about the players i'm talking about the coaches but what the players you know they hear the boos right. they don't be like oh well they're booing our coaches they're not booing us they don't think that these are 18, 19, 20-year-old kids, and they're going to take it personally, and they're going to feel that those boos are at them, and they're going to, because they have a soundboard now, they're going to have something to say, and they're going to say it. And, you know, this wasn't a problem in the past. You, They couldn't say anything unless a microphone was stuffed in front of their face with a camera behind it, and you still got some sound bites then, but it wasn't nearly as prevalent because it wasn't as, nearly as popular. 
Twitter makes everything a hell of a lot more prevalent. Everyone's got a voice. Everyone's able to tell to thousands, if not millions of people, what they are thinking. Uh, especially when you are, you know, on a higher profile program like Michigan State University is. Michigan State's done a good job of becoming a top 25 program in the two biggest sports for college in football and basketball. So these kids are going to take it personally and they're going to have something to say about it. And they can't come out and say, well, you guys are right. Our coaches are messing up and they're ruining our chances. They're not going to do that because guess what? Your ass is now on the bench and you're watching someone else do what you do better. They doing it worse and you have to watch them because you went against the coach and that's never allowed in, uh, in sports in general. So you're Zeke Elliott and you're just going to leave two weeks. (laughs) I completely understand your side of it, Dylan. I really, really do. And, you know, did a great job explaining it. But I also just understand his and why he felt the need to say what he said. Because he can't say what he wants to say. He can't come out at the coaches right. and say yeah. this. And, you know, I'm Maybe starting to question if our head coach is a little delusional on what he thinks he has as a program right now versus what he really has. You know, because... He might be seeing great things from this offense against our defense. And going, well, we had a top five defense coming into the season, so our offense must be fine. Yeah, well, our secondary is terrible. And against, you know, elite running programs like what Ohio State and Wisconsin are able to do, our running defense is not that great either. And it hasn't proven to be the last couple weeks. So I'm wondering if our head coach might be a little delusional on what he has versus, you know, what he actually has. It's just sad. It's deflating. This has not been a good week. So just just so you know, this is you know when I talked about my thirty-two of thirty-seven years as a Lions fan, this is what I got for Michigan State. It was the college version of it. It was literally the same stuff, but in green yeah. and white instead of silver and blue. Like the the asinine decisions, right. the boneheaded plays, the just you know shit luck, all mixed into together to bad seasons. And this was a lot of what Michigan State was before Mark came along and changed everything and. You know, you are correct. You don't, just because you created it, have the right to destroy it. And I don't believe he is actively trying to destroy it. But when he started, Michigan was in a bad place. And recruiting in the state of Michigan was a little bit easier than it's been since Harbaugh got there. Ohio State has been Ohio State, but he's done a great job recruiting in the state of Ohio to bring some great players here. But, you know, in the trenches offensively, it's a problem. And... You know, that's really been the biggest problem, at least what I've seen over the last few years, is the fact that our O-line is garbage. And so, continuing the trend with the Detroit Lions, when your O-line is garbage, I don't care how talented the quarterback is, the wide receivers, the running back, it doesn't matter. You're not going to have the time to do the things you need to do. And the O-line has not been fixed. It's been the same problem for three years now. And until that gets fixed, I'm not going to have faith in this program to win 10-plus games, go to big bowl games, make their way into the college football playoff or any of that stuff. And, you know, I under, I completely understand why you are so mad at this program and so mad at Mark in general for what was some great highs as a Michigan State fan between the Rose Bowl and Cotton Bowl years and, the you know, the Big Ten championship games and, you know, being there and representing and representing well. Even if we lost, at least we represented well. We haven't represented well in a while. Right. And that's what hurts me more than anything is I can take losing to Ohio State and to Wisconsin. I can't take losing 38 to nothing to Wisconsin. So it's so bad when your offensive line is like bad players that are injured because then the players behind them are just so much worse. (laughs) (sighs) 
Like, so you can't even say injuries because when the, the guys other... come back, it's not like they're good and it's not a huge right. difference. But the other guys, like, just no protection at all. Right. Not for the running backs, not for the quarterback. It's bad. And you know what? In the, I guess what's even more frustrating is like the argument that can be made that I don't, I don't think that anyone who frames it as, oh, there are Michigan State fans who think this is fine. I don't believe that exists. I just don't. But the attitude that, oh, okay, well, like Paul, in fairness, says this a lot. Where, oh, well, you're, you're, you are who you are, right? Well, you know what I've seen? I have seen LSU have an offense that averages 50 points a game with a quarterback. LSU, of all programs, was able to find a quarterback with a dude who literally speaks Creole. Anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's not a language. It's just <laughs> shouting a lot. It's, it's not even shouting. It's accent. more like grumbled grunting. Like, if you've seen the water boy and the guy that, you know, has been in like a bunch of Adam Sandler movies, oh, yeah. he's yeah. the dad in 51st dates. He's the guy with no shirt wearing the overalls. That is coach Ogeron. Not what he looks like or how he acts, but how he talks. <laughs> that is coach Ogeron for, for LSU. For sure. But if LSU is able to turn this around and we seen in, like it took a, a few of us a little, a little longer than others, but if LSU is able to turn everything about who they are around because they took a risk and they took Ed Orgeron, which was a very big risk because not even USC took him. <laughs> That's a mistake. I just don't understand why. We, well, ab I mean, absolutely. I think now we all agree on that. By the way, crazy thing for Coach O. I believe he is Seven. six and one Seven against now, the top after 10. the win after the win Seven against Florida. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah, seven you don't think that if like we seven were to get some... not named Alabama schools or something. <laughs> yeah, it was. Well, I think it was the Alabama last the year. One. If I'm and it was at home, right? Yeah, they got run. But all I'm saying is, is if LSU is able to do that, they took a risk and they were able to change their fates. And that was a school that already had a really big divot where they had so many awful quarterbacks where it just kept going over and over again. They took a transfer QB from Purdue who looked like trash. He turned out to be amazing with a coach that nobody else wanted, where he was always the bridesmaid. Why couldn't we do that with someone like Luke Fickle or Matt Campbell or or even coaches that, that Ryan has stated? The guy, the, the, Chip Long, baby. Chris Young? Chip Long. Long. That Chip was Long from, from Notre Dame. From Notre Dame. Chip Long. Yeah, my bad. But you know who you've said, obviously. But like, why, why are, why would we not? Well, we absolutely want that. Want that. It's just, just, can we get that? Look, you know, I, I completely agree. I would love for that to happen. But you know, look, look at Joe Burrows. He's got a transfer quarterback from Ohio State. Is Michigan State getting a transfer quarterback from Ohio State? Not likely. No, we're and getting Derek King. Though. I thought he was from Purdue. No, he's from Ohio State. No, he's Ohio State. But Kyle, Kyle LSU asked, also uh, has Urban about him, and Urban's like, yeah, I've been around him. <laughs> I mean, funny. look, Nick Saban <laughs> launched LSU into the upper level college football stratosphere with a national, you know, with a national championship. Les Miles won one with Nick Saban's recruiters, recruits, and, you know, continued that train going somewhat. They dropped off some, but they were still involved in big games, big bowl games, all that stuff. And, you know, it's a little bit of a higher level than Michigan State's been at. We haven't made, you know, the national championship game. You know, our one time in the college football playoff, got we got... Well, Wisconsin now, but Alabama, the 38 to nothing. Uh, so we haven't had a good showing when it counted. And we're not – we're the what? Good. Third or fourth best name program in the Big Ten? 
That depends on your opinion of Nebraska right. and So Wisconsin. we're somewhere there. <laughs> and that should be enough for certain levels. I just don't know if it's enough for the where LSU has been able to get back up to level. But I can give you another parallel because I think no, that we're, we're not going to have LSU. Yeah, obviously. Well, oh, I'm aware, but I'll give you another example because, and I think Matt will remember this a lot more than almost anybody else. Uh, everybody really forgets where Alabama was when they picked Nick Saban, oh, and everybody also believes Nick. Oh, well, well, and also Saban wasn't sitting here being some genius. It was a major risk to take him straight out of Miami, where he was awful. Yeah, Not but no one was looking like, at Miami. Oh, they were okay, looking at LSU. Right, but... When that all went down, no one was but mentioning the Dolphins. They were mentioning LSU and what he did very quickly after taking over that program after leaving Michigan State. And there wasn't that all big I'm of a risk. All I'm saying is that these programs take their risks. The programs that get up there do not make easy okay. decisions. They make really so but your comparison is luke is is fickle fickle is not what saban was absolutely not even close saban won a national championship and i I don't think it's a risk so but but but, so do you see is there a head coach that you can make that kind of comparison to a nick saban-esque comparison to i think the only one is uh uh what's his what's his name crazy man down at fa lane kiffin kiffin (laughs) absolutely i think that's like the if you were going to talk parallels here i think that like if if they wanted to go wild it would be that that's that's what i would think is a big risk and i think at this point i'd rather have lane kiffin in his wild ways than mark we can get cliff kingsbury next year (laughs) no dude he's actually doing all right in the nfl him and kyler baby there's there's another example they were. They decided to take a big risk, and look what happened. They have one win, <laughs> two. Do they have two? They have two, two, and, and their offense is way better. Oh yeah, oh, yeah that's right. Because Matt Bryant missed an extra point. Oh, they've looked awesome. <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm just saying. Like, in, in, in of course, I'm using major examples, which now you're like, oh man, how could you compare us to them? No, again, I wasn't attacking. I, wa- I was honestly curious least... if you had. No, no, no. Like, I'm not talking to you. I'm th- I'm thinking everybody else. I think that Lane Kiffin would be the equivalent of a major risk, but like you say, Luke Fickle obviously is a more established name, but like, I mean, Coach O was an established name. He had head coaching experience. He was at USC in Ole Miss, and he had stops. I think that Luke Fickle is that kind of guy where you would take him from a program just like we did with Mark. I think Mark was a major risk coming out of Cincinnati. If you look at his record in Cincinnati, Mm -hmm. it wasn't anything special, but look what happened. It's the same thing with Notre Dame. Notre Dame took Brian Kelly, and look what's happened. They've been way better than what they've been in the past, basically for the last twenty years. They made the national title game, and they have also dare you besmirch Charlie Weiss like that. Competitive every year. (laughs) I mean, yeah, but also Charlie Weiss did the same thing Mark did and tanked it right away. (laughs) I'm just saying, I want a risk, and I don't think it's going to happen. I'm very fearful we're going to be getting Mike Tressel. I'm very fearful. Smoking newbies. I don't like it. Why do you? I mean, I'm just saying. Look, you know, the XFL is going to fold next year, and Bob Stoops going to need another job, and you know. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> Bring back Dude, Connor Cook. Never going to give that up, and I respect the hell out of it. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? Going from a negative to, I believe, another potential negative is the University of Michigan and its offense that only plays two and a half quarters. Apparently, is going into the Beehive. In a primetime game 
Can't take the third oh, quarter man. off in this, this game. This is going to be Josh Gett. Absolutely not. And I think that the parallels between this and, was it 2017? Yeah, 2017, the comparisons between this. Oh, man. I mean, I, I hope Michigan brings even a remote portion of their A game. Because if they don't, they're getting run off the field just like that. See, I don't know. You know, I, I... look, I get it. It was at Iowa. It was a night game. Place was rocking. Place was rolling. And, the you know, it was amped up. Well, but... Penn State didn't wow me in any way, shape, or form against Iowa. Right, but Michigan didn't either. If we're gonna, oh no, absolutely Iowa not. Card. No, no, no. That's what I mean. That, absolutely not. That's why I'm not seeing. I'm not seeing Penn State just blowing the doors off of Michigan in this game. I think we're gonna see somewhat of a slugfest between mm-hmm. these two programs. You know, <laughs> Michigan was on their way last week against Illinois. Took their foot off the gas or what? Don't know exactly what happened, but twenty-eight nothing became twenty-eight five. No, 25, 28-25. <laughs> oh, my God. We gained 28-25, you know, at the, by the end of the third quarter. And then they stepped it up again, and they turned, you know, two more touchdowns on them and made it 42-25. Almost covered the spread. Didn't cover the spread. Thank you. Um, <laughs> for all of us here still on the podcast that chose Illinois. That's right. Uh, yeah. We got lucky as hell that Michigan decided to not play the third quarter. Because they really didn't. Offensively or defensively, Michigan did not play the third quarter against Illinois. They're not going to bring that, you wouldn't think at least. You know, I don't think they're going to do what they did in Wisconsin where they just got the doors blown off of them and then the effort went out the window. Maybe they will. Maybe they've shown a couple times now. Maybe we should start believing that this Michigan team does get discouraged and their play shows on the field. We have one full game example, Wisconsin, and, you know, a second half of the second quarter and mm-hmm. all the third quarter against Illinois. But and I don't see it. I think they're going to be bringing it and continue to bring it at Penn State. I think they're going to make this a slugfest. I think Penn State's a better team, and I don't think it's super close. The The spread, and we'll get to it in the picks, is still a lot. Um, yeah. Is it like nine points now? And when, when it opened, and I don't know how reliable the book was, it was minus eight, so it's been bet up actually. Uh, you know, kind of in Penn State's favor. Very similar as to far 2017. As, the, as far as the actual game goes, said Michigan hasn't impressed me. They beat up on nobodies. Obviously, they got smacked by Wisconsin, and now we find out that Army might not be as good as we had thought. And uh, just some of their games that they played, they shouldn't be what uh, a returning 11-win team looks like against some of their competition that they're playing. So you at least I still don't really know what to make of Michigan. At this point, I thought early in the season in the game against Army, uh, the Middle Tennessee State game, like there's no possible way that they can keep turning the ball over at that rate. And they always find a way to just turn the ball over at that rate. And <laughs> these are teams that are going to make you pay for it. Obviously, you know, they didn't look good against Iowa either. Uh, but a team like Penn State isn't going to let you make that many mistakes against them. They don't have an offense that is as inept as what Iowa has. <laughs> and last week, while I didn't think Iowa was good and they played harder than I thought they would play, it was it's still a it's still a good win to go into Iowa City at night and win the game. You know, regardless if it's one point or you win by twenty, it's you know just a good win either way. And yeah. Penn State just looked more impressive throughout the season so far. And these games are weird because they're usually, at least just from recent memory, I, 
they're really not close. It's usually a blowout one way or the other. Uh, and it's a team that I th- or it's a game that I think both teams are really amped up for. It's it, so I, I saw something on Twitter, and it's kind of going into what I want to say is it's not really a rivalry per se, but I can get the real feeling that these teams don't like each other. Yeah, it's a divisional before, game. Right. And even before, and obviously like all the Sandusky stuff, how Michigan touts, you know, hey, we do everything the right way. Oh, that was a lot kind of what a Penn State, you know, their, their claim, to, uh, claim to cleanliness as well. And now obviously they don't have that anymore for it for a completely uh, different reason than, you know, cheating the game of football, something much, much worse. But there's a, there's, there's a very healthy dislike between the programs. I, would, I wouldn't be shocked if both the coaches who seem like they're pretty hard to get along with, um, <laughs> you know, one, even if it's one so more than the other. If, Total assholes. <laughs> if they're not, uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if they're not uh, super, uh, if they're not super tight with each other. And both fan bases can obviously be a little, not a little obnoxious, excuse me, and a little elitist about their school. So, just in terms of the game, being a night game, being in Happy Valley, you know, probably be a whiteout. It's uh, it's not a, it's not a great game for Michigan to go into, uh, especially given their quarterback situation. And Shea Patterson is a guy who, it, you know, kind of there's one thing we know about him. He seems to get rattled easier than you know, most quarterbacks that we've seen even play at Michigan. Even if he's not the worst quarterback we've seen at Michigan, he gets rattled by pressure. It seems like he gets rattled by the environment. And that's not what you want, obviously, heading into Penn State. I don't think they're just going to be able to pound the ball like they probably want to do. They're going to have to get the ball to those weapons. But if you can get to Shea early and you can force some, uh, you know, you can force a delay or delay a game, uh, you can force some false starts and things like that. If you can get into that quarterback's head, right, the rest of the offense follows that. Yeah. And it's not it, – it kind of every – all the ways I'm looking at the game, it doesn't seem like it's going to be a favorable outcome for Michigan. And Damn. another thing also to, to – so I saw this, this Penn State team, and the thing that I think is going to be the most concerning for Michigan moving into this game is that – a theme that we've seen across most of the season is the concerning level play when it comes to running the ball. Wisconsin obviously did it. We've covered that. But even Illinois, whether they took the third quarter off or not, I mean, Reggie Corbin was able to run the ball quite well. And Penn State has another fantastic running back in Noah Kane. He was fantastic in that game against Iowa. The running game is something that they are very committed to in a way that James Franklin has not had, even with Saquon. I believe they carried the ball for at least 30 times. I mean, they they switched it up. They had Kane running. And also, and something much more concerning for Michigan, in my opinion, they have a scrambling quarterback. There were many times in that Iowa game where the only way that Penn State was able to move the ball at all was by my man coverages, which is something that Don Brown definitely does like to do because he really trusts in his secondary, especially with like LaVert Hill and guys like that. If they're running man coverage, this quarterback is going to make them pay for it. He made Iowa pay for it, who have much better pass rushers than Michigan does. And... I, I think it's a very, very, very bad thing on top of the fact that if you turn the ball over in a night game at Penn State, 
better teams, including an Ohio State team in 2016 that was phenomenal, was able to suffer with that. This is not a good formula, and I do not have good faith in the Wolverines moving forward, especially in this game. I disagree completely. I think it's going to be super easy, barely an inconvenience. (laughs) I hate you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, especially after the one Michigan man who's supposed to be here for this segment. (laughs) He left. Whoopsie. Whoopsies. (laughs) Whoops. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, I think that we're all obviously going to be very negative about this, and it kind of is unfortunate that Paul decided to uh, peace out like a snowflake because uh, he has been – absolutely ardent about this being a game that he's super confident in and i'm very curious legitimately why that's the case after i think what i saw you know and i can't speak for paul but i think you know paul and i you know were at least in agreement in that that by michigan deserving to have more points than they did against iowa and shooting themselves in the foot uh versus you know penn state who really didn't you know, they, they played well. They played a good football game, you know, then they gave up a la- last-minute touchdown to make it a little bit closer. But it was still a close game throughout. That was a great touchdown. I, yes, it was. And <laughs> you still didn't answer my question, by the way. Was that in your end zone or in the opposite end zone? That was in mine. But that was yes. also with two minutes left, and the stadium was practically empty. But doesn't matter. That means you got an even better view of it, unless you and Pops left. Did you and Pops uh, leave? Did you, you and Pops left. You son of a bitch. You and Pops left. You didn't even see it live. I'm not even going to feel bad about it. You drove 800 miles to see it on a TV. Mm, (laughs) Look, I'm not going to justify this because if anybody was there for that game, it was super boring. Number one, just with the way that Kirk Ferentz like, Well, that wasn't it. It was just super boring and like, again... They scored their first touchdown with less than two minutes in the game. What was I supposed to do? Sit around and just watch them fail? They well, couldn't mean, stop you know, Penn State on never third been there before. You were all excited about being there, the water tower, all this. I thought you would at least but, stuck throughout through the entire by game. By the way, that is another thing. Very underwhelming for a night game, which I think is more indicative of how Iowa fans feel about this team. Very similar parallels to how Michigan State is kind of doing. Like, I'll tell you, after we were leaving... The fans, ooh, because Kirk Ferentz's son is the offensive coordinator. Whoa. Oh, there's some similarities uh, there. There was was some borderline hate speech at that man. Oh, they were... (laughs) They were not pleased. And so it was honestly what I was – the reason partially why we left is, like, we saw this game script before for the last three years in East Lansing. Bye. Right. (laughs) I I am sticking around for that. (laughs) What I can take from the way Paul has spoke about this Michigan team all year is the hope in Paul's eyes of the offense figuring it out because he believes that if the offense can figure it out, Michigan's a team that can put up a whole bunch of points and that – it takes time to figure it out when you've put a new offense in and try to implement it. And so they're kind of in that in-between phase still, and they're getting towards the end of the time where they need to figure it out. And, you know, this is a this is a prime time, pun intended, to prove that, that you've got it figured out. You know, you got college game day. It's going to be there. It's going to be hyped up. Uh, it's the best matchup numbers-wise this week between, you know, two arguably top 15 team programs. So I slid that in there. Thank you. (laughs) Arguably. (laughs) Um, But I think that's where Paul's coming from is that he believes this offense is better than what it's shown. The defense has proven to be better than people thought coming into the season. Um, And Penn state, 
you know, when this was their biggest test was Iowa. They haven't placed, faced a team as good as Iowa all year coming into this game. And they didn't look overly impressive, just like they didn't look overly impressive against Pittsburgh. Now, that's a rivalry game, but it's also a team that Penn State has beaten up pretty well over the last so many years. So mm. I think that's where Paul's coming from, that he believes that this is a game that Michigan can win, uh, that it will be a close football game. And I'm sure Paul believes that the spread, what is it, nine, is out of their freaking minds. So, but we will get to that when we get to the picks. <sighs> Ryan, are you ready? Yeah, yeah, music, yeah. Ryan got a question. Ready. <laughs> oh, I got a couple of them. <laughs> Another segment of Whose Man's Is This? Obviously my favorite segment for for reasons that may be obvious to everyone listening. <laughs> so the first one that we have, this one's a little bit of a shortened week because we planned a longer show. Didn't quite work out that way, so just bear with us. Uh, but maybe now you'll be able to make that movie in time. The first <laughs> one we have is from 97.1, The Ticket, the Valeni Show producer, Mr. Mike Sullivan, uh, on the Lions. And it wasn't really about the officials because I want to stay away from that. Uh, but he did say, and something Dylan mentioned earlier, about the Lions, you know, how they've been kind of uh, cool-headed about the whole thing. They were also cool-headed after the Kansas City game. And Sully, as he's known around here, uh, he tweeted this out. Just once can Patricia Stafford, Quinn Ford, or someone with authority in the franchise come out and rip the officiating, enough with the politically correct BS, stand up for yourself once in a while, and say it's unacceptable. Go look at what Jim Leland used to do post-game for the Titans. (laughs) What? Whose man is that? It's oh my son of a bitch. Okay, this, first off, the man's, whose man's is this? It's, I mean, it's the guy who's his overlord. His, his his boss who keeps making these talking points that are so stupidly lazy. Uh, he did he, he's a, out after the game though. I, uh, I look, I don't. I, it fits the narrative because that's what's been happening on the Valley Show today. I already talked about yeah, this. Yeah, it's it's annoying as hell because if anything, what's pr- what's proven here is after the Kansas City game, they didn't say anything and played a fantastic game. They should be doing the opposite because if they don't, they're going to dwell on it. It's we would talk about oh the Patriot way, right? Well, it's not even just a Patriot way. Teams that persevere and move on are the ones that will succeed. And anybody who is drawing and talking about this, it's the 24-hour rule. you got 24 hours to complain. If you don't, time to move on. And Sully needs to, too. Come on. All right. As a fan, this is my man's. Because, of course, as a fan, you want to see this because we're all doing it. We are screaming at our television sets at these officials. And we want that passion from our coaches and our players. But you guys know the deal. You're going to get fined a crap ton of money and nothing's going to come of it. And so all you're going to be called is sore losers. You're going to be called salty, all the other crap that comes with it. But as a fan, yeah, we want to see our t- our team react that way because that's how we're all reacting. We are screaming at the refs for screwing our Lions out of a game they deserve to win. Uh, so I get that, and on that side of it, this is my man's. But you also got to understand why that is definitely not going to happen. This is my man's too, and the only kind of amend or amendment I would make to it is I want to see it from one person in particular. I would want to see it from Stafford because yeah. he's the one that's been here through all the indiscretions with the officiating, from the Dallas playoff game to even the the process catch rule. 
I wish Stafford will one time come out and maybe not just give a big F you to the officials, but say something along the lines of, you know, I've been here, I've been through quite a couple of these. I know you guys probably know which I'm talking about without saying it, and we know he cares about it because we saw in the uh, in the mic'd up video during the playoff game against Dallas where Stafford's uh, going to that. the officials talking about, hey, congratulations, the first time a flag's ever been picked up, you know, with no explanation. I bet you're really proud. Hey, great job, great call. Uh, you know, obviously being super sarcastic about it, but that's the one guy where I would want to hear him one time come out and say it, and it's it's not his demeanor post game, and I don't think it's something that we're going to get under Patricia, even though Darius Slade did come out and say it's some weak-ass bullshit and had some uh, had some other choice words for it, but, you know, all respect to Darius Slade, what he's done for the organization, he's not quite on the level of Stafford, Quinn, Ford, Patricia, where you'd get everybody listening to it. I, so I would like to hear it from Stafford if this were to happen again, and I'd like to hear it from him after this game. Just say, fuck, this has all been happening. Sorry, Matt. But just say, F this. This has all been happening to me. It's happened my entire career. You guys know exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, and it seems like it happens to us more than it happens to other people. And just kind of leave it at that. I, and I think, you know, one. just to add to what you're saying, it would mean the most coming from Stafford because that's not his yeah, style. For sure. He's very much, um, you know, a, you know, almost like a politician, almost like Tom Brady and towing the line and saying the things that you are supposed to say. He does a really good job of that. He's quiet in general. Um, and unless obviously in the cuddle and all that stuff, he's, you know, I do, I do like him as a leader and he has proven that time and time again, but you know, it, with a microphone in front of him, he's never going to speak that much on it. And yet Darius Slay is the type of guy, those defensive guys, guys like that are the ones that usually have this stuff to say anyway. So it's nothing new coming from someone like that, but coming from yeah. someone like Stafford, it would hit home more. I'm sure the yeah, fans would love it. Too, and yeah. then you know, his wallet would get hit for about $125,000. <laughs> he can afford it. <laughs> the next one we have is from Ryan Field from ABC uh, talking about the Washington Nationals currently hey. trying to get into the World Series. One out uh, away. I don't, yeah, I don't know if they've ever won it before. Uh, by the time you nope. guys listen to this, you might know. Uh, if not since they were the Expos. <laughs> he did say, uh, he tweeted out, of course, Dear Washington Nationals, clinching too early and having a week off before the World Series is not ideal. Sincerely, the 2006 and 2012 Tigers. Is there something to that, and gentlemen? they've done it. Um, is, there, is there such a thing as, you know, a little bit of rust heading into it and clinching in the playoffs too early? Well, number one, they have clinched it. Yep, they just have. happened. Hey, just happened. And it, yeah, it was a nice it was a nice rally by St. Louis. They had a great shot in the seventh where they had the oh, bases so loaded down seven so, to four. Oh, so sad. And so they sad. just couldn't quite do it. <laughs> well, first off, I would like to say that uh, whose man's is this anything regarding the Nationals, especially sweeping the Cardinals? I uh, thank you. I really needed that this week. I love the fact that they get to go under their stupid-ass little metal arch, and it looks just like their faces. Oh, there we go. Frowny faces all over the place. But no, <laughs> getting getting back to, to the actual point in seriousness, I think that it will depend, I think, majorly if New York moves on or if Houston does. Because if New York moves on, the weight and the style of ball is going to change very much. Because a week you're going to see an average temperature drop of at least 10 degrees. And as has a caller famously said on the Valenti show once before, the ball does not fly when it's 30 degrees. And that, I mean, there, there is some truth to that though. Like if the nationals 
that with the week off, it's going to affect them more if they're playing colder weather. If they're playing in Houston, I think that actually it'll serve better for them, at least in terms of how they will be able to adapt. Now, obviously facing Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole, not a great thing, but I do think that that will matter far more. So I will say it's not my man's, even though I understand the principle. Uh, I will say it is my man's. I think there is something with baseball more than any other sport on the you know, ability to get cold and lose your rhythm for a batter. Um, it's different when you continuously are playing games. Uh, you know, in 2006, I was actively rooting for the Mets against the Cardinals because I did not want to face that lineup. Um, and the Cardinals, while having to go seven games with the Mets, were able to just keep on rolling right off of that and into the World Series. Meanwhile, the Tigers, after taking care of the A's very quickly, are sitting around waiting and our offense did nothing. We set the most errors in World Series history in five games and it was just a debacle. And then in 2012, uh, while waiting on the Giants, we even said, we're going to do things different this time. And I think they tried to. I think they tried to schedule some games against some college teams to try to keep their hitters going. Uh, but I think that is a problem. Uh, and so I, in this instance, this is my man's. I think it's, you know, while, look, you don't want to ever put your team in jeopardy of not making it to the World Series. And so why are you going to blow games on purpose? It's just a happenstance of situation of you swept you were better than the cardinals in four straight games here and now you got to sit around for a week because right now the astros won today so they're up 2-1 on the yankees uh there's going to be a rain out tomorrow more than likely and that's just going to extend that series more time to sit around and get rusty if you're a nationals player and they're gonna have to be creative they're gonna have to figure some stuff out to keep that hot streak going that they started against the dodgers all the credit in the world to the nationals you went from play-in to world series and uh it's fantastic to see because the Cardinals took out my Braves in the first round, and so I was not happy to see that, so I will take it as well with the Nationals taking out the Cardinals. But I agree with Dylan. If it's going up against Houston, I don't care how many days off you have or don't have, that's a big mountain to climb. Uh, Yankees, I think you would prefer that as a Nationals fan. Um, obviously, traveling is a lot easier as well. It's not a long train ride from D.C. to New York. It is not my man's, mainly because of what you said. And the only alternative to not sweeping somebody is to lose games in the right. championship series. And you only have four losses to play with, so you don't just want to be handing those out like hotcakes. Also, yeah, right. you, you understand that you're going to need your pitchers. Uh, well, of course, you're, but you're going to need your starters. And you're going to need your bullpen to be just kind of fully fresh. And if that's the difference between, you know, a guy going – seven innings in the first game and maybe you know eight in the third or a full nine or something like that that's something that you know just over the course of the series uh can really be maybe the key difference in you winning or losing the world series so i'd always rather err on the side of let's just sweep this team get everybody the full rest that they can get and then when game one comes around then we'll worry about it the next one that we have is from pete Fiauk. I just don't want to swear on the cast, and I'm pretty sure his name is pronounced another way. But he is from uh, collegefootballnews.com. He is the publisher. And he had a take about the Georgia loss to South Carolina where he said, this loss sort of doesn't matter for Georgia. It has to be Florida anyway. Go 11-1, win SEC championship, and you get into the college football playoff. So essentially, if they went out, they're in, and that loss was fairly inconsequential to them. Gentlemen, whose man is this? Uh, not mine. It's That's been a theme this entire time, I guess. Uh, despite the fact that I picked it, but... <laughs> and no, it's not my man's. Interesting little anecdote, very short. 
the absolute most enjoyable part of my time in Iowa City was the communal experience of everybody rooting for the Gamecocks against Georgia. There was a group at the bar in B-dubs, four older gray dudes wilding out anytime South Carolina did anything. I just had a spiritual connection with them. It was awesome. But that didn't feel in any way like it was somehow just another game. That matters, and especially when the committee is going to be going six deep probably with Wisconsin, Ohio State, Oklahoma, LSU, Alabama, Georgia, if they're even trying to get in there. That's tough. I'm going to say not my man's on that. Look, it matters because now you know you have to win out. You can't have another hiccup, whereas before you could have a hiccup. Um because you can still represent your side of the SEC, which means you can still play in the SEC championship, and more than likely the winner of the SEC championship is going to be making the college football playoff. Um, so on that side of it, I get it, but you can't be coming out and saying that and putting that mindset out there because this game did matter. It was a home loss to a team that you had no business losing to. Um, you played like absolute crap. Your leader, Jake Fromm, played like absolute crap. And you're going to be having question marks going forward because of that. So, yeah, not my man's. It, it is my man's, but only it's it's a very safe take. So it's not uh, it's a big opinion on this. But, I mean, it's the, it's the go-to cliche whenever a team that you thought was supposed to be good loses their first game of the season. When Michigan State lost to Arizona State, it's like, hey, if they win out, they still get to win the Big Ten. They still get to make the playoffs. Same thing when Michigan lost to Wisconsin. is hey, if they win out, uh, that means they beat Ohio State and they'll probably have a shot at Wisconsin again in the Big Ten championship game. And if they win that, then they're in the playoff. So on principle, he's correct. If Georgia, if Georgia wins out and they beat probably Alabama uh, in the SEC title game, you would expect them to make the playoffs. So on just in that, that's my man's, but it's also a very uh, a very weak take, and not something that obviously is expected to happen. Just a hypothetical for that you could really put on any team in the country with only one loss. The next one we have is from Pro Football Talk, going on some of the breaking news that we got today, Tuesday. Not breaking when it comes out Thursday, but Jalen Ramsey was traded uh, from the Jacksonville Jaguars to the Los Angeles Rams for a 2020 first-round pick, a 2021 first-round pick, and a 2021 fourth-round pick. And Pro Football Talk, they didn't put a a single person's name behind it. I don't know if it's just one dude or they got multiple writers over there. I would assume multiple. But from their Twitter account, said, unless Jalen Ramsey is going to play running back in Los Angeles, I don't see this making a huge difference for them. Gentlemen, whose conglomeration of men is this? The uh, congruence of men's is not mine. (laughs) Again, for the fourth time, because you know who is gone. Everybody knows who is gone in Los Angeles. <laughs> Your favorite person. The, the trash ass, awful, entire source of the defense's problems, Marcus hey, Dam hey, Peters. Careful now, he's closer to your house now in Baltimore. It's an easier trip to find I, you. <laughs> I guess so. I like it because it means that I control Ryan even more about the Baltimore Ravens now, and obviously a fun way, but uh, yeah, not my man's. Um, because upgrading Jalen Ramsey from Marcus Peters, especially after the game against San Fran, absolutely needed to happen. Either the Rams or the Chiefs had to make a big move. They did it, so they're going to be better. Yeah, I mean, it's not my man's. I, I get where they're coming from, but, you know, this defense needed help. 
Um, you know, you can't just rely on Tlaib. Uh, he's getting up there in age, and he's not been healthy right now anyway. And Marcus Peters has some, you know, some yeah. bright moments. Yeah. But overall, no. <laughs> no, he's had some bright moments. You can't take that away from him. He has had some bright moments. But overall, I mean, you know that Jalen Ramsey is a huge upgrade. It's a huge upgrade. You now have one of the most dangerous secondaries in football just by adding this one player. But, yeah, the problem with this team is, has been the offensive side of the football so far this year. Uh, they have problems running the football. Obviously, Todd Gurley is not, you know, I don't know what happened in the playoffs last year, but his soul kind of left his body and hasn't come back. He has not been the Todd Gurley that everyone, you know, knows and loves to have on fantasy. Um, Jared Goff, I mean, God, his numbers, could there be any more pathetic numbers than what he put up against the Niners <laughs> this weekend? That was, I mean, it was near the end of the third, and he was 7 for 10 for 27 yards. Matthew Stafford almost tripled that in one pass to start the game last week or last night against Green Bay. Um, so, you know, you paid Goff all this money. You have all these weapons around him from Woods to Cooks to Cup, um, and, and nothing's happening because of it. So offensively, they are still a huge issue right now. But, you know, you can't poo-poo adding Jalen Ramsey to your team. All I want to see is on the back of his jersey, have big giant R-A-M-S and then a little E and a little Y. Why, why <laughs> do you guys love that joke so much? Because dad jokes are bad on purpose, but they still make you chuckle. It's it's like um it's like Mitch uh, Hedberg jokes. You know they just they just make you chuckle. Oh, well, yeah. No, Mitch Hedberg's hilarious. Don't you put him in the same class <laughs> as was. Capital he Rams? Was. A little EY. This these I guess is a better term are not my men because uh, the Jalen Ramsey move wasn't only a move made for this year, and of course while it helps them this year. Now they really don't have money tied up in anyone else except Aaron Donald, Jared Goff, and Jalen Ramsey. And just on the defensive side of the ball, you have the best defensive tackle in the league and then probably the best cornerback in the best league. Best defensive player in the league. <laughs> right. Yeah. Let's give Aaron Donald so that. You know, Donald Should be and Ramsey for the next you know, five, six years or whatever it is. And that's obviously always a good thing. Um and if it doesn't make a difference this year and doesn't fix their running game this year, which is obviously the point they were getting at, it's still it's still a big-time move for them, which is why they gave up the draft capital they did. It wasn't just for this year and then to not pay Jalen Ramsey and not have any draft picks. Uh, that is all that we have for Whose Men Are These or Whose Man Is This. I do appreciate you gentlemen for going a little bit longer in the tooth uh, to help out with with our podcast timing congratulations to the nationals a little bit of breaking news as they made the world series oh, as we said so proud of them and you know they go up against whoever i just hope it's not the astros because i don't want to see verlander and scherzer in game seven i wonder if there's I a certain man way, in philadelphia right now that's happy that's for too his much. teammates i think that's too much for me to uh, too much for me to burden you think you think bryce is, is happy right now for his teammates former teammates oh absolutely no absolutely no, he's not the know. kind of guy who would salty like is that. all hell that they did it without him hell yes absolutely <laughs> maybe but I, sure. I don't know i think he still might have some boys on the team i would i would hope so and like just like in a in a hey i want my friend to succeed but don't you feel like bryce harper is kind of the kind of guy that would just burn bridges because i do <laughs> i don't know See, not with not with all the other players and he's obviously had problems with players who hit that one dude in the face or that one dude choked him um I, I don't think oh, he's the pitcher. the manager. Uh, he's probably, yeah. He's probably not. Uh, oh, God. It's, it's some that? old dude. It's former Pittsburgh pitcher, I think. Uh, you need to help me out with that. That's not specific enough. Oh, God. I got I to gotta look him up. He's a so big, he tall, told, uh, tall white dude. Yeah, he told Bryce to, like, run run out the ball or something. Um, yeah. 
then Bryce was like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Uh, but I, I, yeah, oh no, it was Jonathan Papelbon, <laughs> former Red Sox. Oh yeah, because I knew it was yeah. I knew it was a bigger name. Um, but, yeah, he, he like, straight <laughs> choked. Uh, he straight choked Bryce Harper. Um, but other than other than that, I don't know. I don't think he's happy for the team in general and like the manager and the front office and things like that. But I think he's probably got some friends on the team where he's like, you know, I hope y'all, I hope y'all bring it home. But I don't want, <laughs> I don't want the I'll, other I'll dudes. I don't you. want the president getting the ring. I'll tell you what, moving forward, though, especially for next week, a little, little tease, a little preview. But uh, we're going to definitely be talking about the Nats a lot more because I think there's a very interesting through narrative for them, especially regarding the guy we've just been talking about. But we'll we'll wait till next week when we have a better picture of what the World Series is going to look like. There's even a little Washington Nationals caption watermark on the corner of this picture of Papelbaum choked. Bryce Harper. <laughs> oh, I see <laughs> <laughs> oh Wait, it's so what, good. <laughs> you know what I think would be hilarious is if somebody, if the Nationals' official Twitter posted that, but then they put the Cardinals logo right on Bryce Harper's face <laughs> and they just kept Applebot <laughs> as is. <laughs> oh, oh man! Yeah, slide in the DMs and say, "Look, I got some <laughs> awesome content ideas for you." <laughs> all righty i've been having all the ideas today it is time for the picks and with paul Ooh, leaving us picks. very very early uh i will take over the picking duties here uh to look oh, through dulcet tones <laughs> look through uh what everyone has done so far as i can try to make make sense of all these damn numbers okay uh so in first math. place right now damn math <laughs> uh ryan you are 36 and 34 that's right. Uh, I'm in second yeah, at great week 34 again. and 36. Ryan and I are doing great in NCAA in this. We're both 23 and 17. Um, I'm doing Y'all miserable in NFL. in NFL. I'm 11 and 19. He is 13 and 7. Uh, in yeah, yeah. third place, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. 13 is and 17. So, 13 and 17. Sorry. <laughs> in third place is one Donald Drysdale who is 32 and 38. Um, he is um, pretty much equally bad in both uh, NCAA and NFL. Uh, <laughs> well, he's 19 and 21 in college and 13 and 17 in in pro. So he's a little better in college, but not much. Uh, D- Dylan, you are right behind him, 31 and 39. And hey. Paul Roshan is bringing up the rear at 30 and 40. That's why he left. Uh, so in this last <laughs> week, Ryan went seven and three. Dylan went six That's and right. four. Paul went six and four. I went five and five. And Don went four and six. So to start tonight, we deal with a team that pulled an upset and a team that went down a little hard in the bayou. Florida, number nine in the country. Still? Really? Okay. Uh, they went out. They're going out to South Carolina, who's coming off an emotional great upset over Georgia. And Florida is favored by six. I think, uh, I think South Carolina is going to be on a come down. And Florida, just kind of like they talked about with Georgia, you know, they got to win out to make the the title game in the playoff, right? I think Florida is still feeling some of that. Obviously, I don't think it's going to happen, but I do expect them to take care of South Carolina uh, and just kind of get themselves back believing in themselves that they can do this and ride it into Alabama or whoever, whatever juggernaut they play next, Georgia, whoever. I am a I am a gambling man, and I wouldn't touch this with a ten foot pole, because you got two very contrasting things going on here. Florida played because Matt was kind of in, indignant in a way about how oh, how are they number nine still? They played really well considering they have a backup quarterback 
who was banged up. Kyle Trask is better played. than freaking than Felipe Franks. Let's just be and clear yeah, here. Well, great story. <laughs> Thank you, game day. Okay. I'm just saying, they pl- actually quite impressed me. I, I called Florida fake the entire like, the entire year, and I'm not going to say that anymore. They played very respectably in Death Valley. But on top, but at the same time, South Carolina actually impressed in its own way as well, especially the defensive line, and it also is in Columbia. Oh man, I I don't want to pick this game, but I will have to say Florida just on them being a little more impressive. But I would not bet on this if I were anywhere near Vegas. We got lucky in the LSU covering of Florida. Florida had great chances to not only you know, stay within the points, but actually take that game. They had some, you know, late turnovers, deep in the, you know, deep in field position turnovers as well. Um, And we really did get lucky in that game that LSU covered. Uh, I think Florida is a much better team overall with Kyle Trask there at the helm. They have a damn good defense. They put up 28 points at LSU and it should have been more. Meanwhile, Georgia at home couldn't put up 17. And while South Carolina had a great win, I don't see them continuing that the following week, even at home. Uh, the place is going to be rocking, but I think that defense of Florida is going to take them out of it a little early, and I think Florida is going to be able to cover this spread of six. So we are all in agreement with Florida, as well as Paul and Don. They both took Florida as well. Game two, number 12, Oregon, on the road to number 25, Washington. The Ducks are a three-point favorite. The Ducks tight end, I think it's Jacob Breland is out for the rest of the year. It's a big blow to them. Hmm. But on the Good same fine. the same uh the same game obviously. One of I think it was probably Jeff Schwartz cuz he's the one on Twitter all the time. Um and he probably went to Oregon. But he posted a uh a Wikipedia of you know last probably 15 times Oregon and Washington played and it was pretty much all Oregon except for two years and one of the years Washington won 70 to 21. So it's and that was a recent year too, maybe 2017. So it's it's uh it's a tough game to pick, but I've been on Oregon since the beginning of the year. I picked them to win the first game against Auburn, which they lost. I will go back to the Oregon well and just hope that Washington State is get or Washington, excuse me, is getting a pity ranking there at 25. But give me the Ducks. Hopefully they bring out some cool jerseys and I'll be able to watch the game and feel good about it. And it's surprisingly not a a terribly night or a terrible late night game. Hey, don't don't attack uh, Pac-12 after dark. That's some great marketing. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, I can't pick Mario Cristobal in a big spot. I'll take Chris Peterson and the Wolfpack. Or Huskies, my bad. <laughs> Uh, so Paul and Don both picked Oregon in this one. Um, if you watched Washington oh, last week against my Arizona Wildcats, you saw a tale of two halves where – Arizona did everything they possibly could to give Washington that game early, yet somehow were in that game at halftime, actually had a lead in that game at halftime. And then Washington turned on the Jets in the second half and blew my Wildcats out of the water. Um, If you give me a Duck versus a Husky, I'm going to take the Husky uh, 10 times out of 10 in that fight. So I'll go with the Huskies in this one as well. I'll be joining Dylan on that side of things. So we got three for the Ducks, two uh, two for the Dogs. Uh, Next up, we got 14 Baylor. 14 or 16? 16, excuse me. 16 Baylor on the road at Oklahoma State. And the Cowboys of Oklahoma State are a a three-and-a-half point favorite. Oklahoma State is unranked, and they're favored by three and a hook. I cannot 
I cannot co-sign that. Uh, and I have a cousin that goes to Baylor. So without knowing much about either of these teams, go Bears. Uh, Matt Rule has done a, just a fantastic job. National Coach of the Year, I think, without question for how he's been able to turn the Baylor Bears around. However, they needed a very controversial call in order to be able to beat Texas Tech in overtime, a game that I had by a mile and put money on. So thank you for that, Texas Tech. But uh, Chubba Hubbard is the best <laughs> player that nobody knows about. Say it again. And Say it with your chest. Chubba, Chubba Hubbard. <laughs> And uh, I'm, I'm going to take the Cowboys and the fantastic mullet of their head coach. <laughs> uh, so the Baylor Bears of one of, are one of the, I think it's now 11 unbeaten teams left in college football this year. Uh, so props to them for getting that far. Both Paul and Don are taking the Baylor Bears. Uh, I am rolling with the Cowboys myself. Uh, I there think... This is going to be a give me some more games. This will this will be a good game. I think a late score is going to do it in though against Baylor, and I'm going to take the Cowboys on this one. Next up, we've got the ugliest uniforms in the history of college football: the Arizona State Sun Devils that rock the colors of piss and shit. Going in to Utah, they are so bad. They're, that's why they like look. They're white ones with a big freaking pitchfork on the helmet in gold. Those are dope. They got to rock Oregon-style stuff to have any chance of having a good-looking uni because their actual colors are god-awful. Anyway, 17th-ranked Arizona State going into Utah, 14th-ranked in the country, and the Utes are a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. I mean, 13-and-a-half is so many points for a team that I don't think is all that good. Anyway, I do think they're a better team than Arizona State. I don't know that they're two touchdowns better, and I did already see Arizona State go on the road and be a, uh, a higher-ranked team in person, and it just makes me sad to think about. But Herm Edwards isn't going to let his team lose by 14. So give me Herm. Give me the Devils. I hate Matt. Uh, I, the, the freshman quarterback for Arizona State is making them look like such a good futures pick. Uh, Daniels is his last name. I, I I don't remember his first name, but he not has Chase. been phenomenal. No. <laughs> <laughs> not Chase Daniels. <laughs> uh, but anyways, no, now, for real, Arizona State's offense has improved every single week. And I, I will not be able to say it enough times with how disrespectful I was, especially for a dude I, I love and probably my favorite personality in all, all of football. Man, Herm Edwards, it seems like he still doesn't get enough respect for what he's doing. But I got to take Arizona State. Possibly for an outright win, they'll at least have it within a single score. Probably a lot less. (sighs) I don't want to do it. I can't can't get Hurts to do it. You think think of it as just supporting Herm, <laughs> and I do like Herm Edwards. Um, He's such a good look, man. It's a tough place to play. You got to deal with altitude. It's very high up there. It's a mile high up playing at Utah as well. Um, and you're coming from literally sea level in Arizona desert. Uh, not quite the same as going out to East Lansing, Michigan, which is only what 15 feet above sea level, something like that. Um, we're we're trivia, but okay. <laughs> but going into a place like that where the altitude does make a difference, I can see why this spread is is higher than you would think it would be um, because that should play a factor alone with one team used to playing it's like going to play at Denver in the pros it's you know it can be difficult Uh, but 13 and a half is a lot of points and I agree I think Herm's going to have this team playing with enough pride um, while they you know squeaked out a nice one against Washington State 
Um, I think this one is a win for Utah, but I do think the Sun Devils will cover this one. Moving on. Oh, by the way, sorry. Uh, Paul picked Arizona State and Don picked Utah. Moving on to the game of the week in college football, where college game day will be. A game we discussed a little bit earlier. Number 16, Michigan (laughs) is at number 7, Penn State, and the Nittany Lions are a 9-point favorite. Dude, we we talked about this game. I expect Penn State to win. Nine is just a lot of points to definitively say they're going to win by. I obviously would love to see it because I don't like Michigan. But even at night, I do expect the Michigan defense to uh, to show up and it be a 24-17, uh, a 20-13 game, something like that, something a little bit ugly. Uh, but you can see some points scored. I don't expect them to cover the nine, but I'll be very happy if they will. So I'll take Michigan in this game. This is 2017 all over again. I gave Paul in a very famous bet that I had called at the beginning of the season. I gave him 14 points, and I believe the spread on that game before it was 10. And I, I didn't, I still nailed, nailed it on that. And nine, uh, the disparity between the 2017 team and that Penn State team, I, I think at least is a lot closer than what these two teams are. If Michigan does their turnover issues like they have been, or takes a quarter off, this is going to get really ugly. And I think it will. So I am going to take, as much as I hate it, James Franklin and all the hot, hot wives that all of his assistants have, apparently. Uh, okay, not surprising here. Both Paul and Don both took the University of Michigan. Uh, what? How am I Stunning, right? Crazy. Um, wow, 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 wow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if I'm Jim Harbaugh this week, my message is finishing the job because you didn't finish the job against Illinois. Uh, they had no Coach business Tato. getting back into that game. Uh, you gave Tato. up against Wisconsin after a couple punches in the face, and you got to finish the job. And I think this Michigan, this is the last time I'm thinking this, by the way, unless unless that I'm right on it. But if I'm wrong on it, this is the last <laughs> time I'm thinking this. But I swear it's the last time, babe. <laughs> I think Michigan's going to play with enough pride to stay within the points in this one. Um, I don't know if they pull the outright victory, but I will take Michigan to stay within the nine points. So, Dylan, you are the lone Nittany Lion this week, as the rest of us have all taken Michigan. We leave college, yeah, graduated. Another game on. Congratulations, guys. Got your degrees. Moving on to the pros. I don't feel like it. And we start with our lovable losers, the Detroit Lions, who are hosting... Okay. Hosting division rival, the Minnesota Vikings, and the Vikings, at this point in time, are a one-point favorite. Apparently, this opened as a pick-em. Only home team on our slate, not favored. Okay, don't know why I needed to know that. Anyway, Minnesota is a one-point favorite (laughs) on the road at Detroit. Throw the the shit. I mean, it's it's still basically a pick-em or a push because you can't win by half a point. But off of a short week... Like I said, Minnesota's strengths, um, at least running the ball, do not line up with what the Lions do well at all. And if they run the ball effectively, which they should be able to do, I do expect Kirk Cousins to be able to hit you know, a, a play-action pass or two to move the chains or go over the top with Thielen. Or, you know, even Diggs, who had a great game last week. So as much as it pains me, I do think that this is kind of the start of the, uh, oh, no, this is the end of the season for the Lions, um, where people really start kind of taking them out of the playoff contention. I do expect the Vikings to win this game, and I'm very, very much super sad about it. 
Matt said it, uh, and I think Ryan both said it, uh, that this is a tough ask for, for a team to just turn around on a short week and be able to rebound. And I think that they will. I think that the culture... It, the cultural purge that happened last year was for games like this. And while Minnesota is riding a high, people need to really consider the fact that that Philadelphia secondary is super awful. And that is definitely not what Detroit has with Slay and Justin Coleman absolutely is going to be a first team all pro in my mind. And I'm going to take Detroit here. And I think that everybody's going to be back on the wagon and charged again for that playoff push. One problem I see with Justin Coleman, who has played great, is that Valdez Scanling and Adam Thielen or Stefan Diggs, depending on which one that Slade decides to cover, uh, I think there's a drastic difference between those two and Valdez Scanling. And I think that's going to play a factor. I think that the wide receivers, uh, the passing game in general, also Kyle Rudolph, who is a very serviceable tight end, um, I think that's going to cause some issues, along with the fact that they have Dalvin Cook uh, to cause some issues. And I don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means, but I do think Minnesota is going to win, and I do think it's going to be more than a 21-20 victory for them. So I will take the Vikings on this one. Both Paul – oh, no, never mind. Paul took Minnesota. Don took Detroit. Moving on, hey. the AFC South battle, the two teams that you know realistically have a shot to win it. The Houston Texans are at the Indianapolis Colts, and the Colts are one-point favorites. Yeah, I mean, give me Houston in this one, man. People keep talking about, like, MVP candidates. If Deshaun Watson's able to keep rolling hey. like he's been rolling, he's absolutely going to vault his name uh, into that discussion coming off a big win against Kansas City. I think they just have more talent than Indianapolis overall, who I still do like as a team. But right now, Houston's rolling. Uh, Will Fuller's playing great. DeAndre Hopkins still really hasn't gone off, gone off like we know he's able to do. Um, so I think he's kind of due for a big game. Carlos Hyde, as much as I hate him, has played pretty well most of the <laughs> year. He's been kind of up and down, but more up than down. So they got a nice kind of balanced attack there. And I'm going to roll roll with the hot hand, uh, Houston. But Indianapolis did beat Kansas City too, so who knows. But Houston's getting the point. I expect them to win the game. Uh, I think that everybody needs to listen to last cast uh, to see my opinion about the two of these teams. I think it's no question. And it's a shame that Paul isn't here because I am waiting on that apology about Deshaun Watson. Crazy how he's actually able to be at least marginally competent when he has an offensive and goes up against one of the worst defenses he's... in football, which Kansas City absolutely has. The Indianapolis Colts, on the other hand, have a pretty damn good defense and a offense that controls the clock with a running game that is better than people have been expecting so far this year and again like dylan said you know go back to last week and how we talked about these teams you will be not surprised with my pick either it is the opposite of these two who are picking houston i am rolling with the indianapolis colts in this one paul is picking houston don is picking the colts I think that also Paul in there also wrote, yeah, I'm sorry about Deshaun Watson. I had to leave the cast because of my shame about how wrong Definitely I was about Definitely did not him. see did, that did, anywhere Did you see that in the notes? I did not see this in the notes. It was not, it was not underneath the I note did. about the opening of the Lions game being a pick'em. Uh, it was not under there at all. It was right next. I don't see it. It was right next to the <laughs> fact that the uh, Lions were the only home favorite that wasn't favored. It was right there. <laughs> all right. And in a tale of Dylan's household... The New Orleans yeah. Saints are traveling hey, to the worst field. The worst. Oh, yeah. Is she watching the game with you? 
I don't think she no. cares. I'll be straight. She's too into the Red Wings mania right now. Oh, well, fantastic. You then, you, you, then you won't be in the doghouse either way, no matter what happens with this game. So, the New Orleans Saints, the fighting Teddy Bridgewaters, are traveling to the worst field in the NFL, Soldier Field, to take oh. on the Chicago Bears. And the, <laughs> Bear, the Bears are a three-point favorite. Yeah. I, I still think New Orleans is a better team. Um, even though I do think they're limited with do Teddy it. Bridgewater as with the Saints. Oh, the better team, and they're actually getting three points in this game. I, I don't know that this game's going to be enough for or have enough points scored for Chicago to win by four, seven, ten, or anything like that. So even if the Chicago does win, I expect it, you know, at maximum to be by three points and be a push game. Okay, so real quick, Dylan, New, before you make your New pick, on this Ryan, one. just some late, later breaking news today that Alvin Kamara is dealing with a high ankle injury. Oh, no. That's no good. Well, well they got Latavius Murray, though. He's no Alvin Kamara, but he's also not – no, he's not a bad running back Terry, at all. Terry McKissick or whatever, whoever the line is. <laughs> Zach Zenner? No, he's gone. <laughs> Thank goodness. So I'm gonna take I'm gonna take y'all to church here because while the Pope oh, here we go. did actually oh, endorse right. the Saints, Saints, he did, and and the responses were just magical with the who dat father, um, but. <laughs> <laughs> Just the greatest threat on Twitter of all time. It wasn't toxic at all. It was it was a surprise. But not only is it that Latavius Murray with Matt's new nugget in there, thank you very much for that. Uh, my team was able to shut down Dalvin Cook. And I'll tell you what, Latavius Murray is no Dalvin Cook. And Teddy Bridgewater isn't even any Kirk Cousins, no matter what this fool's gold is leading you to believe. Trubisky may play in this game. I, I legitimately do not think it matters who starts for this team. What does matter, and I know this seems silly, Taylor Gabriel, the God Gabriel himself, he is back in this game. David Montgomery gets gets a little time to rest. I am going to take my Bears. I don't care if it's bias. I legitimately believe we will win this game, and I will give you a score. I think it is going to be 17 to 10. Hey, you. Right, give me a second. Checking the one thing real quick. I mean, the, the 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 Saints were scoring 13 points against Jacksonville without Jalen Ramsey. So, come on. Teddy Bridgewater is still not not the good replacement for Drew Brees. I don't. I, I I mean, I get it. It's impressive what they've been doing, but like, dude, come on. That's what I wanted to see. Okay. Ted- I needed to see if the weather was going to be anything like the NFC Championship game years ago, where it was the oh entire reason the Bears God. even got past the Saints to make it to that Super Bowl before <laughs> they got the their ass handed to them by the Indianapolis Colts. 29-17. Oh, wait, no, sorry. That was the Super Bowl. My bad. Um, oh, you guys are missing God. some defensive players, and your quarterback sucks ass. The Saints have the best defense they've had since that Super Bowl year for them. Um, than no, definitely not. But their offense, even with Teddy Bridgewater, is better than yours. And oh, okay, I will not be surprised either way on this one. Who covers this one? But no, yeah. I really wouldn't. You know, if if the if it is a twenty to thirteen win for the for the Bears or whatever you had seventeen ten, I wouldn't be stunned. Uh, but your offense is kind of pitiful. And the Saints' offense uh, is struggling at times, but their defense has kept them in every single football game and given them the chance to win the games in the end, which they have done. Um, so I will roll with Houdet. And let's see, shockingly here, both Paul and Don are with Chicago Bears. What? Yeah. Moving on to the the master 
and <laughs> and the apprentice the, Vader. No. the apprentice that is Ryan's favorite player in the NFL one yeah. Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens are traveling to the master that is Russell Wilson uh, and the Seattle oh, Seahawks interesting that you say that you stop it I've never disrespected <laughs> this man <sighs> anyway the birds wait that doesn't work in this situation the Seahawks are a three and a half point favorite <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's the, kind of the same story uh, all year with Baltimore is I don't trust their defense, especially not on the road, especially not against Russell Wilson. Uh, and even though they did just get Marcus Peters, I don't expect him to be able to go ahead and uh, <laughs> cover Tyler Lockett. Uh, Will Disley's out for the year, which does hurt Seattle. Um, but they still have Chris Carson. I think they still have Rashawn Penny. Uh, Chris Carson's good, and obviously still have Russell Wilson. Uh, and DK Metcalf, who's played way better than I think a lot of a lot of people thought he would. Uh, you know, thought he was just a workout warrior, but he's been coming on for them. He's been catching the ball. He's proved to be a real deep threat for uh, for Seattle. I think he leads. I think he leads the NFL, or he's like top three or two in red zone targets. So they're using him a lot, and he's producing for them. Uh, because of that, I do expect Seattle to win this game. They're just the better overall team. Uh, I do expect Lamar to get his numbers, though, and get my fantasy team another W this week. Mm. Man, I mean, Ryan just running rough lately. I mean, we got Baltimore who's reeling. Lamar looks human again. And now Lamar gets the ultimate insult in having the worst corner who has ever (laughs) played the game, Marcus Peters, who is going to get torched by a dude who is four times his size. You know, I, I, I give... P. Carroll, I crap for being kind of wild and just like he makes some real dumbass decisions. But if there's ever been a time more endearing when it comes to the player coach aspect, it was when DK Metcalf came in to I think it was the draft room or it was the coach's yeah, room yeah. after he got drafted and Pete Carroll just took his shirt off because he was like, Yeah, look at me, I'm well, as jacked that's as you Metcalf are. Had his shirt up. Like Metcalf oh, that walked in there with shirt off and Pete Carroll said, Uh uh-uh. It must have been after <laughs> practice See, or something. That. But but well, but he was doing that as a way to kind of wrap his arms around him. I think that Russell Wilson and him have really done that for DK Metcalf. And you're right, he's been way better than we thought. And I think that's all the more reason why that's going to happen. I think DK Metcalf may actually break Marcus Peters in half, and the Baltimore Ravens will be better for it. So I'm going to take the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, let's see here. Bo, oh, Paul took Baltimore, and Don took Seattle. Uh, I'm rolling uh, with. The home birds in this one, uh, I do not believe at all in Baltimore's defense, and I think having to travel across the country is going to be too much for this team and this young quarterback, and I will take the Seahawks covering the three and a half points. To end our night, end our cast, an NFC East battle, we've got the E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles traveling to Jerworld to take on the Dallas Cowboys and somehow, and I can't figure this one out, the Cowboys are favored by three. I guess up down theory, except Cowboys that went up, 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 and then down, down, down. It's, oh man, <laughs> Sunday night at home against a division rival. You expect them to win. I don't like the three. I'd, it'd be better if it was a pick em or one or two or something like that. I think I just got to give it to Dallas because I don't think I don't think they're good, but I also don't think they're bad enough to lose four games in a row. I'm not happy about it. The though. reason it's the it, 
Sorry. The reason that it's at this this level is because it's basically Jason Garrett's job. If he doesn't win this, it's game over. Philadelphia's corners looked god-awful. And Deshaun Jackson may still not be in the lineup for this game, but I, I can't. I'm going to take the uh, – are no, they that's, the that's Dirty the Falcons, Falcons, or was it – that's what I thought. Okay, Go so then I'm going to take Green Man <laughs> and Philadelphia. Hey, the underdogs. Flip, flip, the Eagles flip, the underdogs. no points, but the Eagles, they won the Super Bowl with points. <laughs> So, well, yeah, we, we know that. Go birds. All right. Go, go birds. So but. both Paul and Don have, are rolling with Philadelphia, which makes uh, Ryan the lone man picking the Dallas Cowboys oh, because man, I'm part. rolling with the Eagles as well. Uh, have no faith in Dallas. You just went into the New York Jets and lost to the freaking Jets with Mono Boy in his first game back. Uh, and <laughs> – Man, they look pretty good, though. So, yeah, I have no faith in this team. I think they're absolute fool's gold. I still think Philadelphia is the team to beat in the NFC East, and I'm not going to give up on that faith now after Kirk Cousins did what he did against them, which he seems to always do against them. For whatever reason, uh, Kirk Cousins hulks out when he goes up against the Eagles. His numbers there against them are – if his numbers were like that against everyone else, people would have no problem with Kirk Cousins. Uh, So, Ryan, Lone Soldier, that one on Dallas. The rest of us picking Philadelphia, and that Uh is it. Ryan, do the thing. So, Uh, (laughs) so follow us on on Twitter at Sports Carnage, Facebook. Find us at Sports Carnage Podcast, Podbean, iTunes. Apparently, you can get us on Google Podcasts, which is cool. If you go into Google, do it right now. If you're still listening, go into Google, type in Sports Carnage Podcast. It'll give you a uh, option to just listen to us straight from one of the little pop-ups there is really cool you should do it but also do it on podbean because that'll get us our our download and then also watch out um for content from us on detroit sports nation we're uh, planning to go live after every pistons regular season game uh, michigan state football game michigan football game and lions football game as well as anything else that big happens with our local teams so look for us there you get to see our our beautiful faces to go along with our silky smooth voices all right and for dylan bear Ryan Griffin, the quick exiting okay. Paul Roshan. I'm Matt Basson. We're Sports Carnage. Yeah, Thank you for catch. spending the last couple hours with us. We do appreciate it as always. And we will talk to you all next week.